Anything Combat with Johnny K. Well, it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K. Today, I'm joined by a former PXC world champion, a bantamweight contender, might be the most stylish motherfucker in the game, five-star Trevin Jones. How are you, Trevin? I'm good, my man. What's good? You're in Guam right now. What made That's you move? Um, I've been staying in Guam since I was early middle school, sixth grade, because my mom passed away. Um, my uncle was a uh, Marines over here. Him and my grandma were really close, so they thought it was a good idea for us to come over here to get a better life, to stay out of trouble, because I'm from New Orleans, and New Orleans is, uh, it's wild over there. So, have you been back to New Orleans? Yes, yes, many times I'm going back to New Orleans next month, so, yeah, I've been, I've been in and out of New Orleans, not as much, but recently I've been in New Orleans a lot, like, every year I've been to New Orleans at least once or twice for the past, like, four years, yeah. You said that you fought in Australia. What was that experience like, and when did you do that? I fought in Australia in 20, I want to say 2018. I fought in Brisbane, Australia in 2018 for ACB, and it was great, man. It was it was a high level. Um, it was a late-notice fight for me. I just came off a championship fight um, 13 days before that. I lost a championship fight in Korea, which a fight I felt I won. And then I got called for this fight right after. And my friend was on the card. And I'm like, man, my friend's on this card. I got to take this fight. My feet are still all swollen. I took this fight. I went to Brisbane. I thought I won this fight too. So I dropped two split decisions in a row. And this is when I thought I'll never make it to the UFC. But, you know, as long as you keep fate, you you good. Keep going. I've got a question about the weather in Guam. From the photos I've seen... Uh, on your Instagram, the shit looks beautiful. So, yeah. what, like, is it like that year round? Year round, summer year round over here. Like right now, it's supposed to be like rainy season, right? But that's only if the rain comes. If the rain don't come, then it's beautiful. So every day is sunny. Every day is a nice day. It's real hot right now. It's summer for you guys. For everyone else in the world, it's summer. But for us, it's summer. Summer. It's really hot. So um, <laughs> it's hot over here. It's humid over here. But you know, it's a beautiful place. The beaches are. You're not going to get a better beach than Guam Beach. It's so beautiful. So, you know, if you want to come over here and enjoy a nice summer, guys, this is the spot. Vida Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. You're training out of there. Can you tell us a little bit about the team? What are the people like there? Is it a good collective? Well, that's perfect that you bring up Vida BJJ because uh, that gym is kind of on pause right now since COVID. But what happened is I'm still training with all the same guys and some of the same guys. So, what people don't understand is coming out of um, COVID, right? Coming out of COVID, um, getting into the UFC, kind of like training was great going into the UFC. I got into the UFC doing COVID. It was like a little COVID reject. I call myself a COVID reject, you know? I got in as a COVID reject and training wasn't the same once I got in, you know, because everything was pulled away. Now that I'm in a UFC, I want to get even better training. I want to go explore the world. I want to level up. Those options weren't there. Everything was all funny. You know, COVID was going on. You couldn't travel. You couldn't train. My gym, BWJJ, which you brought up, was on pause right now. So right now I'm training at a whole new gym. It's called the Yard Fitness. And we got some of the same guys, but we lost a lot of guys. They didn't train for a while. So getting into the UFC for me, I was pushing a lot by myself because COVID was going on. And um, all my, my talented training partners and, and everything was was all scattered because of COVID and protecting their family and things like that. So it got real hard. 
So we came up with this gym, The Yard, and we've been working over there since. And, you know, it's it, it's now getting built up nice and now coming up nice. We finally got a cage up in there and things like that. But these are things I didn't have for a while. You know, I was just working with what I had because we came off COVID and we lost a lot of good training partners and we lost the gym. So we're rebuilding right now, but everything's great. You spoke about that exploration. Would you see yourself fighting in Ryzen, one championship, anything international? Yes, man. I see I see whoever has the best offer for me. Of course, if one offer comes and it's already a decent offer, it's not like I'm going to look for a better offer. I'm a fighter's fighter, you know. I'm here to fight. Like, um, a lot of people think, like, when it's their passion, it doesn't matter what you're doing in that. As long as you get to do it, it's going to bring joy to your heart. You know what I mean? So, um, at the end of the day, I, 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 I felt like, oh, I just needed a break or whatever. But now that I'm on this break, you know, I really don't want to take a break, you know. Um, I haven't reached out to any of the big promotions yet because I want to get a big win. And I want to show my work, you know. I feel like re- reaching to a big promotion right now, they can downplay you, you know. But I don't think there should be anything taken away from me considering the circumstances that I took my fights in the UFC and the time I had in the UFC. Um, um, I can go over this a hundred times, but, you know, um, people can only see the results of the fight. They don't see what went into the fight, man. That Cody fight was like three weeks, three, a little bit over three weeks, almost four weeks notice, I think. I signed my contract on the fourth week. You know, you don't get working to after that. I got to fly all the way to Vegas to get my, my nutrition, my food down. Then I got to fly to Texas to train for two weeks. And then by the time I'm only there for two weeks, it's already time to fight Cody. It's taper down week. It's time to get in the cage already. It's not time to push no more. So that fight camp was real done. You really don't have time to prepare for him in specific. And, you know, I did pretty damn well for a guy that's fought a former champion on three weeks notice. Like, I expected him to bring it a lot more than that. And I think if he did bring it a lot more than that, I would have put him away a lot earlier. So I'm still proud of myself in that way. Um, Ryoni Barcelos, man, no one wants to fight this guy. No one wants to fight. Omar had to fight him. Yeah, Omar knocked him out or whatever, but that's Omar. Omar's also another talented guy who no one wants to fight. No one wants to fight Ronnie Barcelos. I've seen this guy have like five or six, seven pullouts in a row. I fight him. He he fight Omar, and now people are pulling out from him again. Another tough guy. You know, Javid Basharat. I thought I won that fight. I did not think I lost the Javid Basharat fight. Like, how did I lose this Javid Basharat fight? Watched that fight many times. I think I won that. The Sahi Yokub fight. He came in four pounds under overweight. I was on my third weight cut in one month. You know how hard it is for me to make 35 pounds? I was trying to be great. I made weight three times in one month. I had four or five pullouts in that in that camp. He came in, he he's saying it was late notice, but he knew that he was gonna get the opportunity from me because he messaged me on Instagram and I said, Bring it, bro, you know, I accepted the fight already. So when it came for him to fight week, he was saying, oh, I had this much time. But he already had messaged me, bro, I dreamed of fighting you. So his management been preparing him and telling him to stay ready because the guys I was supposed to fight was also from his management, you know. So people don't know these kind of things behind the table, but I do. So I still stay confident because I know they had to, like, swindle a little bit. But at the same time, I accept the results. Um, It doesn't make me any less of a fighter. Like, as long as my head stays strong like this, you know, those lessons are real lessons. If I break down and I cry and I'm like, those guys are too good for me. I can never beat those guys in my life. Now I can never beat those guys in my life. But I think I could beat any of those guys still. I think you can run it back anytime. Um, of course, on a high level, you gotta, I got to get my wins back. Though. I got to build my way back up to that. And I have no problem with doing that. But I still think I'm on the same level as them. Um, 
they didn't do much to me. Yeah, Rione controlled me up or whatever, but that was still a tough fight, and I wasn't I wasn't quitting. You know, if, if the fight kept going, I'll keep going. So um, I gotta just keep going. I'll be back in the right place. You know, um, I lost my friend along the way. You know, and and it was hard. It was hard to. That was my number one training partner, same size as me, same weight class, same everything. Like that was my. I started with him, and honestly, man, it. It changes your mind after, like, your best friend. Like, you'll never think, like, I never thought something like this would happen to me. I never thought I can get, lose my drive off, you know, because I never thought my friend would die, like, that I train with every day, you know what I mean? And then that kind of stuff hits you, and then you don't really have the same drive no more. Yeah, I can train the same. I can push hard. I can train hard, and I'm still working my ass off. I still have a tough fight coming up. Coming up. I still know I need to get out there and work my ass off, but at the same time, Every time I see his picture on the gym wall and every time I get a chance to break down about him, I'm, like, breaking down instead of firing up. Ah, because you need to be a dog in this game, you know? It breaks me down, and it's like, damn, my friend can't have it. Like, we both wanted it, you know? I wanted it for me, but I wanted it for him, for him too. So since he can't have it, it kind of takes a part away from me too, you know what I'm saying? And people don't understand that, and that's what I went through, man. That's what I've been going through. I've been fighting those tough fights through that. You know, um, I just got to get over that hump, man. Once I get my hand raised out there again, I think I'm going to be a problem again, man. I think my power is still good. I'm still focused. I'm still training hard. Um, I think I just need to get my breakthrough once again, and I'll be a problem, man. Um, don't matter how many losses I got. I know my skills. I know my circumstances. Um, I'm able to take fights like that and, 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 and be different from these other guys because these other guys are from America. They're from places that have fight organizations. I never been blessed to have a fight organization where since the PXC left where I can get a contract to these places. I always have to take late fights when someone else pulled out. I have to fill in because they have their guys that they're prioritizing first. So I have to keep getting ready, keep burning myself up, keep getting ready. Oh, this guy wants to fight. Oh, we got disappointed for you. I go start cutting weight and getting ready. Oh, that fight fell off start training regular again. Oh, we got this opponent. So that's how my career's been. It's been like that. I got to, like, I'm all the way from Guam in the middle of nowhere. It's hard for me. It's a lot harder than people think for me, for me to get fight and get to where I got. It was so much of a struggle. Like, my first pro opponent was 17-2, and two, you know? So I was 1-0 as a pro. I was fighting 17-2 and two guys. So that's, that's, that's how hard my career's been, and it's been solid opponents all the way through. So... You know, I'm still got, I still got good feet, my man. I'm sorry to hear that about your friend. Dude, I've watched your fights. I actually know how good you are. People look at the fucking result. They don't look at what happened beforehand. They don't mm -hmm. see the short notice. They don't mm -hmm. see the difficult opponents like uh, that guy Barcelos that you brought up that yes. everyone's avoiding. They don't see shit like that. I have seen how you fight. People are jumping ship also to the BKFC. I just want to ask on a side note. Seeing that you can bang so well, would you end up going to the BKFC and testing that out just for a little bit? Well, like me, I, I'm, a, I'm a martial artist, you know. As you can see in my fighting style, as much as I can bang, I do try and be very intelligent out there. I try and be slow. I try and take my time. I try and not rush it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a very smart martial artist, you know. I had a knee injury. I'm very good in wrestling. I'm very good in grappling. I'm great at that. But honestly, in the UFC for two years, no one knew that. I couldn't use those tools like I normally use those tools in a PXC and stuff. If they watch my old fights versus my UFC fights, they'll be able to tell, whoa, this guy's fighting totally different. Yeah, I had a little injury, you know. I had that first fight book with the Barcelos fight. 
and I had to withdraw from that fight. And they called me for the Javid fight maybe like a month or two months later. I'm not too sure what it was, maybe six weeks later to heal up, and then it was still booked further out. Then I had to take that fight because I didn't want to pull out another fight. Then they called me back, hey, you already was booked against Barcelos. We got that fight against you. And I'm taking these guys, and I'm coming up short, you know, and I'm still not running, you know. And then they call me on Cody. I'm going to fight Cody on three weeks, four weeks' notice, you know. That's a former champion. I'm about to fight. I'm down three fights. These guys are not there. They're, I'm willing to accept these fights because no one else is willing to. And I have to set the example that, you know, as long as I get another big fight, my stock is going to rise because when I beat that big name guy, you guys are going to respect me. A lot of these guys want to keep their record nice off these regular name guys. And when they get a hard guy, they pull out. But they still want to talk like they're the best in the whole division. Like, you got to fight the best guys in the division and accept those fights. You can't pick and choose who you want to beat and then really believe you're the best in the world. The only way I can really believe I was the best in the world is by doing it the way I did it. And um, I still build confidence off that, man. Like, Javid and those guys are pretty technical. They're, they're good. He's undefeated still. Like you said, Barcelos is good. Saeed was good. He was wrestling the other Saeed, um, Nomagamena, so well in that fight. He was doing so well. And that's when I saw how really good he was. So all the guys I fought are so good. Mario Bautista is about to fight. Um, um, Cody Nola. You know, that's a good fight too, man. Um, I think if Cody can dodge and run away enough, he might show people that he's actually that good because Mario was not fighting opponents like me. I can tell you that right now. Mario has been smoking guys, but the level of opponents, we went in totally different directions after our fight. He went on a four-fight winning streak. I did go on a four-fight losing streak. But people can say what they want. The direction of the opponent level was different. Every guy he beat, I will run them over. I guarantee every guy he beat out of that four or five one shoot, I will run them over. Without a doubt in my mind, I will put them away. And that's why I'm confident that, you know, Cody might look vulnerable to be able to be beat by Mario. But Cody's still going to be another level because he was still able to, you know, be smart enough to be in there with me. As good as I think I am. And as much as I think he, he played it safe and was scared of me in that fight, which he was, um, he was still smart enough. He has the IQ. He's been to five rounds. He's been in there with TJ. He's been in there with other smart guys. So he will, while his energy's up, run away and dodge enough to hang in there to get the fight done in a three-round fight versus Mario. So Mario better be able to expect and deal with a lot of running and getting frustrated and chasing him down because he, he, he will play it very safe because he doesn't want to lose to a lower ring guy like us and have his self diminished, so therefore he's not going to bring it. And if I would have known he was not going to bring it, and I had to be that example. I had to be the first low-ranked guy in, out of the, the top division to, to to get in his face and show how scared he was. So I asked about the big KFC, but you want to grind oh yeah, MMA. Sorry. So, yeah, so, yeah, um, I still have to pass it for martial arts. BKFC, if they make me the right offer, I have a BKFC training partner I'm training right now. His name's Alex Castro. I trained him for his first BXC fight, my number one training partner. We got sparring right after this. He has a BKFC fight coming up in Florida. So who knows, man, if they make me the right offer. Um, I was training with Babyface who fought John Dotson in BKFC. He was telling me they made him a nice offer to fight Dotson. So if the offer's right, man, I, I sleep a guy, man, in BKFC. You know, I still got my good-looking face. Like, people barely hit my face in MMA. In MMA, I got, what, 25 fights now? 27 if you, 25 27 if you include amateur my face has barely been touched and i got all these losses 
I'm like, what are these guys doing to me? That's why I'm still confident. Like, I got 10 losses now. What are these guys doing to me? I got five split decision losses before the UFC. So at the end of the day, those five split decision losses were in enemy territory. I honestly felt like, let's say I lost, I feel like I lost one of those fights. If you want to take one that I got, one out of the five. Like my, I think I'm 18, 17 and, and six or something like that, man. I think I'm still a good fighter and that's what I live by. Like, yeah, if you want to take the UFC fight ones and add them to losses, they're losses. They're, they're losses if you want to look at it all as losses. But it's up to me to look at it as my true level. And I know my level, man. And even when I was fighting MMA all that time, I wasn't even doing MMA. I was doing full-time jiu-jitsu trying to get my black belt my whole MMA career. I actually got to post a video of me when I actually got my black belt. And I said I'm going to make it to the UFC now. And I made it to the UFC like two and a half years later or two years later. I have a video. I'm, it's already ready to be posted. And I and I called this, and I'm calling it now, man. I'm going to fight my tough fights, and I'm going to make it back in, and I'm going to be even a better fighter than I was the first time around, you know? This first time around, I, I tried to do it. People will say it's the wrong way, but us young people, us real people will say it's the right way. Here it is. I wanted to do it with my friends, you know? I didn't want to go hire no new coaches and all these people that weren't there with me. If I wanted to shine and get these big wins, I wanted to be there with my friends. Absolutely, there's better coaches and stuff around there than my friends. Uh, my friends are talented too. They're just as good as me, but they're, they're, they're as good as me. Of course, there's people that got knowledge and stuff out there that could have brought light to me. And I was getting it small kind or a little bit, but I was still bringing my friends with me to the fight and having them be there because I wanted it's more better. Like if your friends can't sit first class and they're in the back, like why are you in first class? You know what I mean? Why are you in first class? So I did it with my friends the first time, and I let them know that. When I go back the second time, I earned my way to do it the right way. Now we'll get proper coaches and, and, and be in the UFC with real old men, <laughs> old men by my side, you know, old men with that real high-level knowledge, you know. And, and you know, I knew, and I, and I just knew that it was going to be like this, you know. Not knew that I was going to be out. I was confident in all those fights, even with my friends by my side. But I know what it's going to take now to get to the next level. I'm going to need some old men in my corner. So I'm going to need that knowledge in my corner, and it's going to make a difference, you know. So One fighter that I see similarities in their career is you and Dan Hooker. I know you're going to go, what, what do you mean by this? So they counted Dan out over and over again, saying that he was washed and that he came off a couple losses, some close some bad losses, but it was just the fact that they said that he was washing. They chucked him up against a ranked Jalen Turner, who's an absolute beast. And somehow Dan outhearts him, outskills him, wins a great fight up against Jalen. Now, mm-hmm. my question for you is who, which ranked opponent in Bantamweight right now, the hardest division in the UFC, do you have your eyes on that when you beat, people are going to say Trevin's next up? Marab. What do you see in that style matchup that you can beat Marab? I think Marab gets kind of sloppy and he comes in too much. Sometimes he forces things. Um, if I get my sprawl game going good, I know I could. I, I, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not a trash wrestler, you know. If I have to prepare for him, it'll be a whole different style camp, you know. Um, if I prepare for that properly, um, I'm around Aljo, all those guys. I see those guys at the UFCPI all the time, man. Um, I'm way bigger than those guys, man. And, and if I get that cardio right, I hit that weight right, I push that cardio right, I think I'm a bad matchup for that guy because he comes in sloppy sometimes, and I definitely can hit him with that power. 
And I am good at jujitsu and stuff too, man. And now my knee is much more healed. Um, as I was speaking earlier, I was in the UFC with a bad knee, and now my knee is healing good, man. It's it's really, it's not that when I was fighting those guys, I knew for sure it was that injured. It's now that I got to where I got to after the injury, I'm like, wow, my knee was messed up. Even in those fights, that's how I'm able to tell. Going into those fights, I just thought this is the best my knee's gonna get. So I went out there and did it. But now that I'm feeling my knee, how I can get low now, how I can move, how I can explode, I'm like, now my knee's good. So I think with my knee being good right now and being able to wrestle more and grapple more with my hands and my power and the, and the proper camp, training at Zenit Drysdale, um, having a perfect counter style from a Rob, getting up off my back and setting up chokes with the takedowns because he's a beast too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy one, but I think I can, I can put him away. I think I can put any guy in a division away, man. Even Aljamain Sterling is a champ right now. I think I am a bad matchup for Aljamain Sterling too. I'm a good grappler. Like, Yes, I've lost some matches by getting took it down or whatever, but no one knows how good Ronnie Barcelos is. You see when Ronnie Barcelos gets some guys, like it chokes them out. He handles them when he gets them down. Ronnie Barcelos is a national Brazilian champion. He's good. I know he was able to put me down and handle me like that. But, you know, I want to ask the world this. When everyone else comes from Thailand, do they get all these, these green stuff coming out of their nose and all this stuff coming out of their chest and everything like that? Because, honestly, I was strong in that camp. I was so strong in that Ronnie Barcelos camp, man. I was ready to fight Ronnie Barcelos like an animal. My camp was looking good. I'm not going to lie. I thought I was going to upset him and, and run him over. But I came from Thailand, and I got back to America, and I had nothing but green stuff coming out of my nose, my mouth. I was so, like, ugh. It was, and it wasn't COVID or nothing because I got tested for COVID and everything. It was not COVID. I don't know if it was some kind of infection from the air or whatnot, which I looked up a lot. Me and my brother had it, so it was it was bad, and it was we were spitting up loogie and everything. I remember one time I was next to Francis Nagano. It was like two days before the fight, and I was choking so hard. And he was like, "Bro, are you okay? You got to fight." I remember this, and he looked at me like, "Whoa," and I was like, "No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, you know, I I, I told him straight up, you know, I'm just getting over something. I don't know what it is, but it's not COVID. Don't worry about it. I remember, but yeah, man, I just didn't have that proper breathing tank, you know." Even when I will go push hard, it'll get stuck. And then I have to, like, chill my pace because I might choke on my own. So, but, you know, no excuses. He was a tough man. He was an animal. He needed that win like I needed that win. So I know he did bring the game, too. And he could have just bought the game, too. But, you know, I, I I was a little under the weather or whatever it was coming from Thailand, man. I was very sick. And um, I believe, man, I believe I can get these guys, man. Top Anyone in the top 10, I'm on that same level, man. I'm telling you, man, these guys are, you only could be good so long. Like, I, I've been working hard. Like I said, I've been the guy that I have to over push to get to the UFC. I was fighting ACB, which has UFC level guys in ACB before the UFC. And even in my, even in my regional level, I was fighting the top guys, you know, championship fights for a while. You know, I, when I got into the UFC, I got in as pushing myself, trying to get there, overworking taking matchups, falling off, taking matchups, fly to the States on my own term, finally got in off training over there and having an opponent cancel that fight, got into the UFC, thank God. Then I never, I was burnt out a little bit too, man. Honestly, the push from over here and having to keep going and I don't get to know what the contract to know, oh, you're fighting October, oh, you're fighting September. Honestly, when I fight, when I first got in the UFC, I was like, oh, finally I get a little break because I never had to, I never got to take those breaks. Even right now, my body and my mind and everything is so relaxed. I know everything, everybody thinks getting uh, not, 
getting cut and not getting a contract is different because I've seen guys like go do two fights in a UFC and they, they get let go off their contract, you know. I finished my contract out, you know, so it lets me know the UFC still kind of wanted me, you know. If I would have got that fight done, they would have kept me without a doubt in my mind. And even after that, they had like three or four people on that same fight card as me that they posted that they let go. I was still on the roster. I was still not let go for another three, four, three, three and a half months after that. So, and, and not get a new contract after that. So, all I got to do is get my wins and get back in, man. Two big wins and I'm back in, you know. They they know the level. That's why they gave me the opponents that they gave me. And I respect that because they know they got they got their scouts running around. It's like any other big sport, man. They got their eyeballs, you know. I'm pretty sure they got Instagram accounts, Facebook accounts that nobody can see with their scouts. And, you know, there are people that go around. You never know. But he works for them and you never know. They got their scouts, man. They're their own intelligence. They know everyone's level. They know a lot more than people think they know. They know your weight. They know who's the strongest bantamweight by lifting weights. They know who which bantamweight has the strongest right hand. They know which bantamweight has the strongest left hand. They know which bantamweight could deadlift the most. They run tests on all of us. They know these things. They know these things by the matchups. And the fact that I'm matched up with guys that also are high level and skilled lets me know I got skills. That's what people need to understand. These guys got all the results. There's so many weak little 35ers in the UFC they could have gave me and I could have ran over. I know this for a fact. But the fact that I didn't get those guys, I know they ran tests on those guys too, and those guys weren't in that bracket. They knew that you were a strong motherfucker, and they were like, they, we need to put him up against someone like Barcelos or someone like the champ, former champ Cody Garbrandt. That's the level that you're at. Where is your next fight? You won't even know I had like five opponents, six opponents already, all fell off. I just got contacted for a fight this morning, and it looked like this one's going to go down. It might be in San Diego, California. Um, I don't want to link it now because nothing is out yet. I just got it this morning. But it's a former UFC veteran, too. And I'm going to be excited if I get this fight. Um, all they have to do is make it fair. You know what I mean? It's veteran on veteran. I absolutely believe I can beat this guy. And I just got it this morning. And I got another fight in another organization for a title fight, five-round main event. So I'm cho- I got to choose right now. They're close to each other. My brother's booked to fight now. Finally, my brother's back. You guys got to tune in on my page and see who my brother is and tune in on that. He's going to put on a hell of a performance. He's fighting a guy from Russia. It's going to be crazy. It's in uh, San Francisco, August 26th. We're flying out soon. And then How old's your brother? Him. He is 36. He, he He's not as uh, technically sound as me. He is, but he's more, it makes up for him. He, he ain't got that calm strategics like me. He'll just go bang him up and sleep him. You know, he's a knockout guy, so... You know, he's worked on that jiu-jitsu off all his time off. He hasn't fought in four or five years. So he had time off, but he's been training the whole time. So he's going to be an animal out there. He's fighting a tough guy. So, um, yeah, we got two opponents now. My manager just sent it to me this morning. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be good news. Um, um, I can let you guys know it should be in California and man, if I can do both of these fights back to back, because they're three weeks apart, man, if I can get that. If I can beat that UFC veteran, and then if that kid will still take on that fight because it's an undefeated kid, if he'll fight me on a 30th, I can be back into the UFC by the end of the year. You know, beat the former UFC veteran and then win that title. That's no doubt I'm back. You know, I don't want it to be that way. But I got to dig. I got to dig because my way going back into the UFC, they're going to have the toughest guy, like one of those guys we said waiting for me. 
because it's going to be someone on a late replacement, someone that no one wants to fight. So I'm going to pretty much have to do three fights right off the bat. That's what, like, I'm on that, I'm at that knowledge level now. I understand. It's not just going to be fight this guy, fight this guy, and then, hey, you got a contract. Hey, you got two months to fight. It's not going to be like that for me. It's going to be fight this guy, fight this guy. Hey, you just won. We got to fight for you in three weeks. Hardest guy, top guy. That's how it's going to be. You have to understand the game now, and that's what I came to learn. So maybe I might fight the UFC veteran, pass up on a championship fight, fight someone else in December or October when I get a little break and then be in the UFC by early next year. Because there's really no rush at this point, right? Like, there's really no rush at this point. I already know I'm two away, two major statements away. I already know that. Like, I just have to know that. Everyone else can, a lot of people will have different things. A lot of people will be like, oh, they cut me, I quit. That's one thing you can go by. It. You can go by, oh, I'll never get in again. That's one way you can go by it. But I think it's what you manifest, man. I think if I bark enough, I let these tough guys know in the UFC, hey, I'll still fight you. I go and handle my business outside like I'm supposed to. I think it's a no-brainer. You're back in. I think a lot of these guys, after they got let go, they gave up on themselves. Of course, some of them didn't belong there at all. But that's not the case for me. I think my level is, is quite frequent. Yeah, I might be a couple percents behind them in, um, in the last results. That's why I'm going to go make that up right now in these, in these two fights to show, hey, these guys are not on my level too, so I belong here. So that's what I'm trying to get at, man. Um, I think it's maybe two, three fights max, three fights at most, two finishes in a decision, three finishes in a row, two major finishes in a row, two killer finishes in a row. I think I should be back in without a doubt. But I also know they're going to have someone tough on the other side waiting for me, which I accept. But my body has to be ready to go through that kind of weight cuts and wars and, and, and battles. So I know that I might need um, the one fight, take three months off, do the other fight. And then the UFC will be a no-brainer. I'm, 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 I'm out there by next year for sure. What did you think about Volkanovski's performance? And do you consider him pound for pound number one over John Jones? Volkanovski's an animal. First of all, I know Volkanovski. He's from the same organization as me outside the UFC. We both were champions. I was the 135 champion. Volkanovski was the 145 champion. So At the same time, you two held at, the belt? At the same time, we held the belt. So we're, we're tough guys, man. That's why the toughness is there. I just need to get it going, bro. I just need to get it going. Um, my friend fought. My friend who I speak of, who passed away, he fought Alexander Volkanovski at uh, 145. Really? Yes, he fought Alexander Volkanovski. Alexander Volkanovski said he was the toughest guy he had ever fought. Alexander Volkanovski got into the UFC right after that, like one fight after that. He got into the UFC um, and was wrecking guys already. And then me and my friend are outside. Like, he beat my friend by decision. And my friend had Volkanovski in the first round. He mounted Volkanovski up. He was pounding Volkanovski. Yeah, bro. It was a good fight. My friend that passed away. My friend that passed away was so talented. His name is Kyle Rages. Everybody knows him. The UFC guys, all oh, he was at Extreme Couture. Everyone was giving him shout outs when he first passed away. That guy that um, tried to be passed away, one of them, that was him. You know, that was my best friend from Guam. We started training together. He started way before me. When I started, he was a purple belt already when I started training. So he was that good. And then I just, you know, got so good off him and, and, and my coach, Marcelo Nunez, who's in PFL, and everyone, Drysdale. You know, I've been going to Dry, Robert Drysdale since I was a white belt, you know. I've been a black belt for, what, four years now? I've been training at Drysdale every year since I was a white belt. So my experience is pretty up there, man. I'm not as I'm not as unknown or whatever. People know me, man. Like even around the UFC PI, 
when I came into the UFC, I did what I did to Tamir Valev, who's also another talented guy who's probably going to be in the UFC, on the Ultimate Fighter finale. I'm pretty sure he is on his skill set. Unless someone knocks him out, that's the only way. Um, yeah, man, I think I'm just right there up the cusp, man. So I just got to keep working and and stay focused, man. Um, it, it's all about what you manifest and what you want for yourself, you know. A lot of people can give up and go to another career and do something else. But why am I going to do that? I've been doing this my whole life. Like, you're going to go do something from scratch, and you're still, even at failure, you're still better at this. Even at failure, people have to understand, even at failure, I'm still better at this. So um, I just got to get my mind together, clear my head, get back on a win streak, and, you know, prove to myself that this is that I am better at this. What do you think about that performance that Volkanovski had? Is that one of the best championship performances you've seen in a while? Man. As you were saying, John Jones is for sure still pound for all number one because John Jones beat crazy guys at the time he did it. And he's back. He still beat crazy guys. But Volkanovski is right there at the cusp. I'm sorry I didn't answer your last question. Volkanovski is right there at the cusp, man. He's like just right under him. Not a full bar under him. Not a number two spot under him. He is almost dead even. But John Jones, to me, still tops him by a little because the way John Jones did it to people, the way John Jones finished the, all the guys he finished, the former champions John Jones finished, the level of uh, scary opponents that John Jones finished is the reason why he is and the way he made it, he, it look in his prime. It don't matter if he slowed down a little bit now and the flights are a lot closer or he's a little bit more slower and strategical now. If he can still get wins... Everything that he did before still holds strong. You know what I mean? Volkanovski is that new guy. He is coming up. A couple more. Jones is going to be out of there. Volkanovski is going to take over that spot without a doubt in my mind. And Volkanovski's performance was spectacular, man. I yeah, When I got into the UFC, I was saying, like, I fought harder opponents than Volkanovski inside PXC because he was 45 champion. I was 35 champion. And I did. I really did. My 35... Toby Mishich, all those guys, the Quan Ho Kwok, um, those guys were all you those guys all made it to the UFC and Bellator and all that. So there were so going into the UFC, I felt I had fought a harder guy. So I felt but when I saw Volkanovski in the UFC, I felt I belonged in the UFC, you know? But everyone has their own 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 pat. But now Trevin Jones Volkanovski ain't got nothing to say, my man. I ain't got nothing to say to you, Volkanovski. You are the man. And I've been noticing you're the man, man, because it's not about your skills. Everybody has skills in the gym. Everybody's talented. Even these guys that are getting knocked out, smashed, ran over, laughed at, they are skilled and talented. It's about being skilled and talented at the right time when their eyes are on you and shining when you need to shine. That's what the crowd sees. That's what it's about. So, Volkanovski, you are the man. For you. you and John Jones are the man for that. Um, I'm still working to get to that um, because I do have that type of skill level and I do have that type of skill set. But as far as getting it done, you guys are the man for that. You guys are doing your weight cuts right. Something is going perfect for you guys, man. Um, I cut a lot of weight. I've been next to Volkanovski, and I'm bigger than that guy, too, even when we were in the PXC, and I was fighting at 35 and 45. So I'm just <laughs> – I just cut too much weight, and it maybe stalls my performance out a little bit. And I think the reason why I go back there is because when I do do that weight cut right, I perform so well. And then I go and have a shitty performance and maybe edge out a win or whatever. 
and then I do it well again. So it's like it's mixed emotions. So like, what Trevor you're gonna get? I need to get that Trevor. If you get that Trevor, I hit it right and did it right and peak right. None of these guys are gonna beat that guy. He's so skilled. He's strong. So I say at 35, man, he's good. He's strong. And Volkanovski, he's just a different animal, man. He's doing what I'm trying to do. That Trev that I want to see consistently. He's doing it consistently. He's showing up. He's giving the fight. He was a little bit worried about Yair. I can see it because he doesn't usually take that approach. But again, Yair already had vulnerabilities from which we saw from Frankie Edgar. So the game plan and the blueprint was already laid out for Yair. You know, take him down, stand with him a bit, take him down, get him down, pound on him. We saw what we saw for Volkanovski did to Islam, bro. Like he gave him, if he can give Islam a run in a grappling like that, we knew for a fact he was going to give Yair a beat down on the mat. So that was a no-brainer. He was going to get a beat down on the mat. It was just, it was whether if Yair can kick him to the head, kick him to the body. We all know what it was. That's all it was. So to me, it was a spectacular performance. But again, we all knew he can do that. You know what I mean? Um, We all knew he can do that. You know, um, that Brandon Moreno fight, though. <laughs> oh, that's, that was another crazy fight, right? But, yeah, man, that whole card was amazing, man. Man, that whole card was amazing. From the Julian Turner and Dan Hooker to that fight, man, that card was amazing, man. All six of those um, top fights, the, my bad, the the Whitaker. Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel, like the, the Duplexi and, man, all 10, probably 12 guys out of that whole fight card deserve a bonus. You guys are amazing. Here it is for me. You guys are all talented guys, winner or loser. You guys, it takes two to make a beautiful show. You know what I mean? So, um, some of those fights was just like guys were playing other guys' game and didn't care to play their game. Like, like, like Pantoji was in there with Moreno, even though Pantoji slow showed slow cardio and was slowing down. He was still had that drive and dog in him to 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 challenge a faster, more cardio Moreno at his own game and was sticking him with big shots in the middle of dealing with speed and. And, and a guy that was a lot more focused than him and still got it done. And he did get it done. He did win the fight. But it was a very it was a very good fight. And and I got one take on why Brandon Moreno lost that fight. I'm going to say it on here first. I never said it nowhere. I, ne- I read everything. I never heard nobody say this. And I'm the first guy that's going to tell you guys why Moreno lost this fight. And it's not exactly why, but it could have went in his favor if he did it this way. And you let me know if you agree with me or not. So I have friends that fought. And they got, um, their opponent had good jujitsu, right? So every time it came time to be in that guy's guard, they didn't want to play in that guy's guard. They let him up for free. They let him up for free because they feel they have a better chance in a stand-up because his jujitsu might be good or whatnot, right? So the fight was already close. It came to a split decision. So Moreno did get taken down, but Moreno had reversals. He had reversals in that fight. When he reversed that fight, he let Pantoja up many times for free without trying to control for an extra 30 seconds or a minute or actually trying to land punch a couple punches on the way up and then let him get up and tax him a little bit. He did not tax him because he was afraid of what was going to happen, but that also caused him to win. I feel if he would have held him down an extra 30 seconds and then punched him on the way up, not fully hold him down, but a little 30 seconds to, you know, why when he starts going for stuff, you get out of there and stand back up. But you have to tax him. You have to hit him a little bit. No matter if he's good in jiu-jitsu, his triangles are good, his arm bars are good or what, you have to show him you're willing to fight there. Because if you don't show him you're willing to fight there, now he can get more sloppy and wild with you 
because he knew he could punch Moreno back because every time Moreno he falls down or Moreno drops him, Moreno's not going to want to come into his guard. So he knew he could stay there now. So it cost Moreno a harder fight than he was supposed to have. Um, if Moreno would have took him down and then be okay with Trent landing some ground and pound and taxing him first, now Pantoja would have been a little bit more on the outside, a little bit more hesitant on the punches, a little bit more correct with his feet work. He was able to be so sloppy with his feet and just brawl Moreno back because he didn't have to worry about Moreno because Moreno already let him up multiple times in his guard. Moreno was supposed to hold him down an extra 30, and then NASA punches off. That'll take a minute out of a round. That would have put those rounds in your favor. So that was the difference in that fight. It wasn't a big difference, but that was the difference that, that, that stopped Moreno from winning that fight because although he lost that fight, he was very capable of winning that fight if he made those adjustments. Trev, so basically Moreno has had four fights with Figueredo and now he just had his third fight with Pantoja and because he was the belt holder, they might need a rematch. Will Moreno be the first fighter to have four fights with two separate opponents all in the UFC and Ultimate Fighter when you put them all together? Um, You're absolutely right. Um, I'll be the first to say this. I was going to say this earlier. Brandon Moreno got so much better. He's so, he's good. He he was still great out there. I sparred Brandon Moreno and everything already, you know. Um, I did very well. <laughs> I did very well. But um, he's a smaller guy than me. You know, I'm not trying to count those rounds. Those are just training rounds. But he had just got finished from beating Figueredo when I sparred him. And he was, he was bringing it. He was on his clues. And I was fighting Mario Bautista at the time. So, yeah, we were both on our talent hunt. You know, we we're both good. Brandon Moreno got so much better. And he's going to be the type of guy that is going to be like the Max Holloway. He's always going to be that next guy. These other guys cannot beat Moreno the way he's fighting like that. Yeah, Pantoja got away with it. He had the extra drive. You heard Pantoja's story. It's a crazy story. That's what kept him in that fight. Even if they probably rematch that same drive, won't keep Antoja in that fight because now he has the belt. He's a little bit more wealthier now. Things changed. Moreno had his own hardship, but he's been champion. He's felt the wealth a little bit, you know. The past is kind of wearing off. Even even if it didn't wear off, it still fades off a little bit when you become out of poverty, a little bit more richer, a little bit more wealthier. And he's still fighting well with the wealth. So he's like a Max Holloway to me. Even with the wealth, these number one guys up cannot beat them. They are still the number one guys, and then the champ's the only guy that can beat them. So, therefore, there will be a fourth fight because Moreno can looks like he can beat everyone else in the division still. Just like Max looks like he's the only one that can beat everyone else in the division still. No one wants to see the Max fight again, but that fight has to happen. He's the only one. He 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 ran over Yair, too. You know what I mean? He's the only other guy that can give Volkanovski that run. That one fight, that second fight with Volkanovski was, ah. Eh, I thought Max won the second one, to be honest. I thought Max won the second one. But then again, Volk done equally well in all of three fights against him. You know what I mean? Volk is a very smart fighter. He has a very smart IQ. Volk has long arms. Man, I was telling my, my training partner in BKFC, people don't know the real advantage. People think the advantage is being tall. People think the advantage is being long. This is the only time you see the advantage. The advantage is Volkanovski. Volkanovski is shorter than his opponents with longer reach. That is the advantage. That's the most advantage of any sport. People are not like, like not even other fighters on my level are, are thinking on this type of level. I'm telling you. You know why I know? Just like Kyra France. How did Kyra France knock out Cody Nolove? Because Kyra France is under Cody Nolove, and when he throws his basic style punch, 
boom, the right hand comes up towards the chin. It's so easy for the right hand to just meet the chin. If I'm equal height, like when I fought Javed Basarat, it's easy to just whip the left hand out, fing, and touch the chin. When I was fighting Rayoni Barcelos, who was under me, the right hand was not an option no more. It was not the way you throw it. It becomes an uppercut now, you know what I mean? So it's the type of punch you throw, you know? Um, The best advantage is um, is Volkanovski. He's shorter than the guy with the longer reach. So imagine a guy below you, and he's coming up straight with that longer reach on that overhand right. That's why. And then he can use the distance of the hands, and he has good leg kicks. He has the perfect body set. People say, oh, he's so short, he's so small. Everyone got to get lured to hit them. Unless you're sparring low on that level, like a boxer, that's the only way you're going to be able to hit him on a normal level. You need kicks and you need frequent kicks. You need kicks like jabs. You need to be throwing 100 kicks because you're just going to try and get inside and box with him. He always has that advantage by being a shorter guy, plus with the longer reach because he don't fight like that. He don't get inside and fight stupid like a shorter guy. Like 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 if he was a regular opponent, you'll probably hit Volkanovski with a knee down the pipe. He's shorter or whatever, but he does not fight like a short guy. He still fights like a long guy. He still plays the distance. He still throws the kicks. So Volkanovski is a hard opponent with a long reach. It's the seventy-one inch reach. Max is five foot ten or five foot eleven, and he only has shorter reach than me. Max has sixty-eight inch reach. That's shorter reach than me. So there's advantages. There's advantages there. You know. Volkanovski does have that advantage when you're that shorter man with that decent size reach, those overhands and the IQ that Volkanovski has is, man, it, it's remar- it's, it, 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 it's a whole new level, man. It's a whole new level. His IQ is so good. His IQ is so good with his frame, with his body. And and, and Volkanovski been through the, the, the hardest time of the Tiger Muay Thai Challenge, man. They put Volkanovski through the, Volkanovski went through all this ahead of time. He's been through all this already. Everything he's going through now, Volkanovski been through all this. When he went on a tap, when he got that Tiger Muay Thai trials, the first one, and he won that, he was a dog. I've been to Tiger Muay Thai. I train at Tiger Muay Thai. When I talk to the people who's their dog, when someone else from a different camp comes here that's around that size, who do they sick on them when he, when 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 their guys are starting to lose? It's Volkanovski, bro. That just goes to show you what your fight IQ is. It's actually above average, so I respect that. I want to ask you about the divisions. You said you were fighting harder opponents at the start than Volkanovski in the PXC, right? So in every combat sport, Muay Thai, uh, Jiu-Jitsu, MMA, right? All these divisions, the 135-pound division, even in boxing, is the superior division in every promotion. But in the UFC, it's lightweight, right? But in Bellator, one, Ryzen, it's always the 135ers that are the best. So I want to ask you, do you feel like 135 is the best division in the UFC? Talent-wise, yes. Look at the division, man. You can see so many guys that can break into the top 10, and so many guys have to hide from each other. Look at Barcelos. Barcelos is not even in the top 10, right? And guys don't want to fight him. You know what I mean? He had to go all the way up to fight Omar. No one wants to fight Omar, so Omar got to fight Barcelos, you know? You got me, who was in there, who actually got released of his contract, who beat Bautista, who's on a four-fight win streak. You know what I mean? What is the, that's the hardest division by far. How do you get a guy on my skill level getting let go? Whether the fight went how it went, they have to learn and look at it like, oh, does this guy still fight on a level to be here? That's what I think the problem is with the UFC. They think it's contract, contract, or wins or losses. 
sometimes you have to look at if this guy still deserves to be here. If you're giving him tougher matchups than you're giving other tough guys, then he still deserves to be here. Because I see multiple guys in that division that I will run over, and I know I will run over because I train with them. And I'm not going to go like, oh, I'll beat this guy, I'll beat that guy. I'm just like, I understand that I got my own path, and he has his own path. If he outshines me, I don't hate on him. You know what I mean? But he cannot think down of me because I'm not in there no more because I fought, I fought the real of the real, especially early on in my career. It's not like I was eight fights in or nine fights in. You know, fighting these guys, I'm fighting these guys like straight off the bat, man. Barcelos, when he went into the UFC, he was 5-0. and Barcelos started out 5-0. and Javid is still undefeated. Saheed had already had a fight with Umar in PFL when I fought him. You know what I mean? And Cody Nolag was the former champion. You know what I mean? I think they have to look at it well, like, if this guy deserves to be here, where this guy's heart's at. And, and, and honestly, I do. That's why I got to fight all my fights out. And not get like let go halfway through. So I understand. For that point, I understand. Okay, now I just gotta go do what I need to do to get back in there because they know I got the heart, they know I got the courage, they know I'm willing to take the fights. So I think for someone like me, it's not gonna be too hard to get back in there. I think if someone tries to pick and hand choose their opponents, that's when it's gonna be hard to get back in there. But I think me, of course, me, I'm gonna get my win uh, appropriately and I'm gonna take whatever dog they give me and, and I'm gonna get back in there and I'm gonna be him. And I'm going to be prepared for that because I already have my mind set on that. I already know that's going to be the case. How did you get the nickname Five Star? Now, I know you are Five Star, but how did you get it? <laughs> right on, my man. I got the name Five Star because uh, so middle school and everything on Guam High School, you know how when the, when, the, when the year calendar comes out, I used to always get best dressed all the time. When I used to go to the dances and a prom or whatever, you know, everyone else was like, some of the other guys who was like, proper like me will have the full tuxedo you know um i'll have the full suit man i'll go full full suit man um i always like to buy nice shoes you know i save my money i've been selling shoes and collecting jordans and and all kind of shoes for a while so i always had nice things you know when i want to buy a car you know i set it up i make it nice you know um buy anything I, i just like to stay nice you know i like to keep myself looking good and take care of myself you know my whole family is like that. It's, not, it's something that, that I actually learned off the females in my family. The females in my family love to, to dress really nice. They love to match. They love to make sure their whole outfit. And then when I came to Guam, people weren't used to that. They weren't used to people making their hat match their shoes, match their pants. And then they weren't used to making their fight shorts match their fight short, match the everything. Like, they weren't used to doing all that, you know? So my teammates like, you know what? You're five-star, bro. Your name is five-star. You do your five-star. You want everything flashy. You want everything five-star. And I was like, you know what? You know, what do you think of when you think of five-star? You think, like, five-star might not be the best in everything, you know? You might go to a five-star hotel, and it might not have everything you want, but it's going to have something you like. You know what I mean? It's going to have something to like. So I feel five-star matches me not by my fighting, not by anything. It matches me because no matter what you dislike about me, you're going to find something that you like about me. And that's what Five Stars about. When you go there, when you talk to me, when you deal with me, when you hang out with me, you might not like me off the bat, but you're going to come to like me because you're going to realize there's something that you like about me or there's something that's good in me. And that's where Five Star comes from. My my, uh, I'm just... I'm just honest all the time. You know, I'm I'm honest to myself. And when you're honest to yourself, you can be honest to everything around you. And my friend gave me that name a long time ago because, like, I was a Guam kid with all these 
Guamanian friends and stuff like that. There wasn't much black people. Now there's much black people here and much um, American people here. But when I got here as a kid growing up, there wasn't much. So my culture was very different from the culture that was here. So as they're peeping out my culture, they're able to tell me exactly what I'm good and bad at. Like, wow, you're different. You're different. So they actually could tell me like, yeah, your your heart's pure because the people around you is not going to get a chance to tell you that you're really pure because the people around you should kind of be like you, like your family, whatever you got like that because of your family and who you are is not. If you want to figure out who someone is, you have to know their family. Like if you're getting into a relationship or whatever and you really want to know that person, if you hang out with their family, you'll get an idea on who they are, how they is. Or if you knew them first and then you hung out with your family, you'll be like, oh, I see why you're like that. So, you know, they they were able to tell me, like, Trav, you, you're a good person. You're a pure person. They were able to give me the name Five Star. My training partners gave me the name Five Star because, you know, I carry myself well everywhere and I'm always look out for people no matter what, you know. I've... I used to go up and fight and making three thousand a fight. Um, even when I was making one thousand, one thousand, till when I was making before the UFC five thousand, five thousand, whatever. I've had so many guys stay in my apartment and live live off me, and I helped them get on my feet. Whether it's my friends that went to jail multiple times and got out, and I have to put an end to it. You know, when we got older now, or it was so many guys that actually made turn their life around and own companies now that used to sleep on my couch and stuff. You know. I've always tried helping people out. And, you know, I think when I heard the name Five Star from my friends, it, it was like weird for a while, but then it stuck real well because I was thinking like, what do you think of when you think of Five Star? You think of at least you're going to get something well out of it. Like it might not be everything, but you're going to get something well out of it. And that's how I feel about myself. Like, yeah, if that person don't like me, tell them to come hang out with me. They're going to like me. You just said that you've met heaps of fighters in just this podcast, right? I want to ask you, out of all the fighters that you've met, who's one fighter that you can say was maybe the nicest? Cody Nola, bro. <laughs> they call him Cody Nola, but honestly, Cody Nola had a lot of love for me. That's why I knew it was kind of going to be a Chichiko fight, man. I ran into him in the restroom. I did not want to see the Cody Nola because he was known for Cody Nola. And I wanted to bring the, like, honestly, I didn't want to run into him in a locker room. I didn't want to see him. And I usually like seeing my opponents. I like messing with them. But Cody, I didn't want to see him because I know all that I had on stake. I know everything that I had on stake. So I ran into him right off the back in the restroom. I never told no one this story. I, I, I always fly in early. So I flew in like two weeks early or a week early. Oh, no, this is when I was getting my supplements before I was flying to, um, before I was flying to Texas, so I had, I, it was about three weeks out from the fight, exactly. I flew from Guam to Las Vegas to get all my nutrition. Then I was flying from Texas for two weeks, then coming back for fight week, right? I ran into Cody right off the back, walking in. He was changing. And he was like, no, nah, man, it's cool, Trav. Because I was like, let me, let me, you know, I tried to keep it real. I wanted, I was like, ah, no, nah, I didn't want to see him, dog. I was mad at myself for seeing him because I wanted to keep it a, ooh. I want him to not see me because I know if he saw me, I just knew it was going to be cool. I just knew he was going to show me love because he talks to my brother and stuff all the time when I was winning. When I had beat Mario, he already had talked. So we knew Cody was cool. Cody was a cool guy, man. He's a cool guy. Like, I ain't going to lie. He, he never gave no hard time about nothing. He was always cool. I spoke to Cody in the PI before. We shook hands many times. We just never thought we were going to cross paths, but you never know, you know? And then the fight came up. His opponent dropped. I was in the situation I was in, and the fight just came about. But I already had talked to him multiple times already, and I was already what's up in him all the time in the PI. So 
I knew if I ran into him, it was going to be good. And all the people that he knew, he had Javid and all those guys in his corners and all them. And I already had became friends and, you know, bumping Javid and being okay with being a, the man that lost that battle. But, you know, you know, it's hard to do, but, you know, I'm, I'm mature about it, you know, and I'm cool with him, you know. There's guys that I beat that won't be cool with me because I beat them, but you just have to understand the game. You got to come back for it on a on a better day. And I just knew Cody was going to be cool, and he was real cool, man. He was Cody all love versus me. He was Cody all love, and, and I have no disrespect for the guy, man. I like the guy. I still wish him the best in the career. I, I want him to be Mario because, you know, um, I want people to see that if he fights the type of style that he fought against me, it's it, it's hard for anyone. If the guy don't fight, it's just hard, you know. And if they like his style and him fighting like that, what can I say? Like, I don't think it was a good fight for him and a good performance for him. I don't think anything like that at all. But at the same time, if they like it, I know Dana don't like it, man. I'm going off what Dana says he don't like. He's like, I don't like these kind of fights. When you guys come out to consider series, I want action. I want fights. So I know what type of fights the UFC like. And at the same time, maybe it's just me trying to be what the UFC like, which it kind of was. But... You know, I know Cody needed that win, and he just couldn't risk it against me. That's all it was. I think he's going to fight Mario very different. I don't think he's going to be as afraid as Mario. Um, I think he's going to mix it up with Mario a lot more. I think he was very afraid of my power, especially getting knocked out from Kai France. Yeah, I will be scared of my power, too. So I think he, I think everyone thinks the fight was still, but it was just a chess match versus a guy that, that was supposed to be the world champion, but he was a little afraid of me. That's all it was, and he had to fight the way he had to fight. And I wasn't going to throw stupid because you see what he did to Dominic Cruz in them. He made them miss and all that. I wasn't going to do that. That's what people don't understand. They're like, oh, he didn't throw punches. Bro, I've seen this guy make everybody miss when they don't fight. So you guys are tripping. What was the hardest fight of your entire career, including amateur and professional bouts? Ooh, hardest fight of my entire career. My hardest fight of my entire career. The fight I lost the worst. So there's only two fights that I lost the worst. I'm going to go with the two. I'm going to tell you the two that I lost the worst to me. And then I'm going to tell you the hardest fight. Because the hardest fight can even be a fight that you won, right? It's not going to be a fight that I won that I'm going to give you. But I've had some fights that I won and it was extremely hard. So, um, first of all, the worst loss of my career was when I got choked out from Sahih Yoka because I got put to sleep on that's on the television. But then again, that's not the worst fight of my life because I had all those weight cuts. He came in four pounds overweight. Um... But for the for the for the for for the visuals, that's the worst fight, right? Because I never got put to sleep in my life. So boom. My worst fight of my life will be Ryan Barcelos because he rest all wrestled me and dominated me pretty well on my back. For me, performance wise, for me not giving back what I'm supposed to give, because all my fights, all my losses, I got ten losses now. But all my losses I fought back well. Well enough for you to be like well, I got five split decision losses and all my other losses that are not split decision losses are these UFC fights we're talking about. So all my losses, I fought well, extremely well to you only can be so disappointed at yourself. That's where my confidence lies because the learning lessons are really learning lessons because I fought well. I could I could fix things to win these fights. Um, but dominated by Ronnie Marcellus will be my worst performance ever. Now, my hardest fight Ever, I fought this no guy. He was six and one in the PXC in Manila, Philippines, in his hometown. And it was my first time. It was my it was my second time fighting in the Philippines, but we're fighting in a whole different area. And this place didn't have proper food, or proper nutrition, or proper things for me to replenish my body. 
And, man, I've had fights where I gain, go from 135 to 154, 135 to 151, 135 to 149. Lately, I've been liking to stay a little small because I wanted to move a little bit. That's why I messed up in a Rioni fight. I wanted to stay small. I stayed a little bit too small for a guy that was that, that kind of strong and wrestling. For that fight, I only wanted to be 148, so I stopped at 148. But I fought this guy named Troy Bantiog. He's a Filipino. He was very good from Team Lakai, popular team in um in Philippines. I won that fight, but it was such a hard fight because my body was so malnutritious. I weighed. I remember I weighed myself after after the fight ended. I stepped in a skill, and I was like 141, 140. After and it was a 135 fight, so I had gained maybe like six pounds only, seven pounds only. And this kid was strong, and he felt strong in there, you know. And I won that fight, but each round I had to, like, I was dominating him. But to, for me to be able to dominate him, I had to dig from another area. Like, it was hard. I had the proper positions. My technique was good enough to get onto the proper positions, but my energy wasn't good enough to hold on to these positions. So holding on and, and sustaining him down was so hard to keep control of him because he was wild. He was throwing elbows from the bottom. He was being wild, and it was just a hard fight. And I remember that fight. I was like, wow, fighting is hard. That was the one that told me, like, you got to turn it up a notch. And I had one, and it was it was me coming off a – and that was my first fight back coming off a robbery loss. I Like I said, my first pro fight was was versus a 17-2 and two guy. Man, I, I wrecked this guy. I wrecked this guy. I was only 1-0, and, oh, and I got cheated of a five-round uh, main event. Uh title fight and then their next fight they gave me the next best thing because they already saw me beat the champ and they robbed me so they gave me the next best thing was this Filipino kid he was tearing through everyone and I fought him and I think at the time I was like I think I was like two and one only or something maybe it was three fights after I fought him three fights after so yeah I was two and one he was like six and one or something like that and he was he was good man he was strong and I remember this earlier on in my career, it was it was time for a learning lesson, but that was my hardest fight. My worst performance will be Barcelos, and my worst performance for the crowd, or my worst loss will be Sehi Yoka because I got put to sleep. All my other fights were close fights. All my seven other fights were fights that you can arguably say I won. I got five split decisions outside of that. I got the Cody Garbrandt fight. I got the Javid Bastaret fight. Other than that... I just can't believe that you fought a 17-2 and two guy in your debut. How the fuck did they let that happen? And was that done on purpose to build the other guy's record? No, this is how it happened. My, my first amateur opponent was one of the undefeated amateurs on Guam who was supposed to turn pro. I beat him. The next amateur opponent was like 8-0 amateur. Um, also was supposed to turn pro. He was set for his pro debut versus another guy. But that guy pulled out. Um, they booked me versus that that eight and zero undefeated amateur for one more amateur fight. I end up choking him out in the first round right off the bat, putting him to sleep. Since I and these guys are all training partners too. They're the, they're the other gym on Guam. My first pro fight was against the number one contender. So after I had beat that amateur that was already on a tear and all that. My first pro fight was against the number one contender in the PXC, the organization that me and Volkanovski became champion in. He was the number one contender. His teammate was the champion. 
So they didn't fight because they were teammates and champions. So champion number one contender, I beat the number one contender first. I, I beat the number one contender on a dominant decision. And then they had no chance when I was 1-0 but to give me the champion. I beat him too. I beat him too. Actually, I want to know. I want to put out a link if you guys want me to post this full fight five rounds of uh, me when I was 1-0 fighting a 17-2 and two guys. And you guys see this full fight on how I dominated. And MMA judges and organizations pretty much can just do what they want and steal a fight from you like that. Then after that, it made my career even harder because now they knew how good I was. But my record is not that good. This is how my record is like it is. They know how good I am, but my record is not that good. I never fought no more Guam guys after that. Remember, this is the best guy on Guam, the best one and two, and the best two amateurs. I already fought all of them right off the back in my career, just starting out. So in the PXC, they had to find guys to fight me the whole time. So just like they were bringing in Volkanovski and these guys, I was fighting other guys like Volkanovski and then Mark Avalado in 1FC, who's also a beast. I beat him. Um, I was fighting Toby Mischief, Bellator, Kwan Ho Kwok, KTT, who was undefeated, two-time, two-division champion. Like, I was fighting all these guys. Like, they were bringing in, trying to get me beat, you know what I mean? And I was pulling through upsets and or dropping a split decision because the fight was close enough for me to get robbed. But when you go back on tape, if I post these fights, you guys are going to be like, yeah, that's where my belief comes from, that I'm not, that I don't got the record that I got. That's where my courage comes from, you know? And, you know, I believe at the end of my career, when it's all said and done, that's the only time it's going to show. I just need people to take fights against me, you know? And I know people don't want to fight me, man. I've had so many opponents. I can have that 10 behind me and not even much wins more than that. But people are still scared of me because it's the way that you win fights. People do not want to get knocked out. Like, people will fight guys that can outgrapple them and maybe choke them out, and they're 12 and 0, 14 and 0, 20 and 0. But they don't want to fight a guy that's a dog, that's very durable, that has that power to knock them out. It's much more scary of a fight. Much more scary of a fight. And that was my case in the UFC. That's Rayoni's, Barcelo's case in the UFC. And that's the case, you know, it's the style of fight. It's not so much the fight, it's the style of fight. Is he a scary opponent? Is he going to hurt me? Is he going to rearrange my career? Tamir was so talented, but I honestly think I changed his career around. I honestly don't think he likes to get hit the same and everything no more. And I've talked to Kaya France. I've talked to those guys about when Tamir went to Tiger Muay Thai back in the day and they sparred. He's like, man, Tamir was crazy. He was so talented. Like, that guy was attacking me crazy. I've talked to my boy Kaya and him about all of that, like, We've had the conversation, so I know Tamir's talented. You know, he's trained with Mark Henry. He's trained with Cody No Love. He's trained with all these guys before I fought him. He was he is really on that level, but I think now he's a little messed up. His chin's a little messed up. You know, I watched his performance on Ultimate Fighter. I like the guy. Tamir's a really nice guy, man. But I think he's a little damaged, so I think it's the way you fight. You know, I, 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 I if, if the guy can get your chin, you're a scary opponent. You're scary. And I just think I'm kind of scary. So a lot of my fighters, a lot of the way I got to take fights is not fair. And that's how my UFC career went too. I did not think out of all places my UFC career will go with these pullouts and them really feeding me the, the, the top, top guys like they did. And then them not really giving me a chance to rebound myself. Like, let me rebound myself. Give me someone that you know don't belong here. Let me take his head off. It's not like I'm asking for it, but as a promoter, do that. 
because you know I have the skills. But then again, like I said, they got everyone's results, bro. They got all the results, how strong you are, how what they knew. You cannot put them out there with me. They knew the mindset that I had. They see me working hard at the PI. The place got cameras all over the place. They see the house. They see the they see the work ethic. Um, people gotta notice. They have to have their own scouts behind the table watching all these things. They have to. People don't know, but they do. And I and I understood that. You know, that's why when I fought Cody No Love, I don't want to do any of my workouts. I don't want to do anything at the PI because, man, there's a lot going on and a lot smarter intelligence behind everything. That's why they want to get your. That's why they want to get your bio, your physique. That's why every fighter that gets into there, they want to run the test on you, you know? They want to see who you are. They want to know know what they're doing with it. Trev, I totally agree, man. They choose to push particular fighters because they know that they're going to make more money off it, right? That's what mm-hmm. it is. It's a business at the end of the day. Yeah. They've seen that your stats are crazy, so they've gone, we can't push him and give him up against shit of fighters for him to knock out and build a massive name off, right? But someone like Sean O'Malley, they have. They've chosen Sean because they know that he's a money machine. So they gave mm-hmm. him lower-ranked uh, fighters, fighters that were on the way out, like Eddie Minehood, to get a highlight. So I want to ask you... I want to ask you, if you fought Sean right now, do you knock him out? If I fought Sean right now, I have a very high chance of knocking out Sean. I have a very high chance of out-wrestling Sean and putting choking Sean out. I'm telling you, Mario Bautista is Sean's training partner. That's his training partner. He talks about how good Mario is all the time. I think Mario is the toughest one out of all of them. Look how stacked and yoked Mario is. Mario's pretty good, man. Mario's pretty damn good. He's much more buff. He's tall. He's 5'9". I know Mario brings it. Mario has a full skill set. There's no way Mario's not giving Sean O'Malley full work. There's no way. Mario's definitely bringing it to Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley has the pop style, the backup, the clean striking. That's not the hard work acting style. Anyone that wants to drive into you and get close to you and work you and change the, the, the this type of fight is going to give Sean O'Malley a hard time. The way I fought Mario Bautista will give Sean O'Malley a hard time. <clears throat> Put him against the cage, knee his leg up, make that skinny, bony leg weak first, make him not want to move, take him down, look for big shots. It'll work perfectly. If I fought Sean O'Malley, can I knock him out? Absolutely. Could he knock me out? Absolutely, too. But i never been knocked out. So it's going to be a tough fight for him, to. You know, I got all these losses, and i still never been knocked out. And I've been in there with some knockout artists outside the UFC. I've been in there already with some knockout artists. Mark Avalado, when I fought him, he was on like a seven-fight knockout streak when I beat him. Toby Mischief was knocking out everybody, you know? So, Juan Ho Kwok, when I fought him, he was 6-0 all knockout. So, Javid Basra was was 11-0 all finishes, you know? Uh, it's not going to be easy for Sean O'Malley to knock me out. Could I knock him out and beat him and wear him down and beat him? Absolutely. It's, it'll be even fight. It's no different. People are putting the ranks next to it, thinking that the ranks is everything. That rank is nothing. If that fighter looks like he can fight that fighter, he can fight that fighter. You know, if that fighter looks like he can knock that fighter out, he can knock that fighter out. Um, can Sean O'Malley knock me out? He might could. He knocks people out. He might land a good shot. But it's hard to knock me out because even if I get hit good, I'm not going to go easy. I'm not going to look for a way out. I'm not going to look for a way out. Um, could I get a hold of Sean O'Malley? Could I also knock out Sean O'Malley? Yes. Yes. So it's it's what it's. It just has to be set up at this point. If it's set up, I'll take it, and I'll try and knock him out and choke him out without a doubt in my mind. 
that size comparison, he's a big dude. You said that your weight cut's pretty big. So how much weight do you actually cut? I'm way bigger than all those guys, bro. Not all the time. They're taller than me. They're taller than me. But my arms are massive. My arms are massive. My arms and my shoulders is massive compared to the 35-pound fighters that fight. They got bigger legs than me and, you know, and stuff like that than me. But my legs are very strong, too. These are sprinting legs, you know. My style's a very tricky style, you know. Um, I'm built different. Um, at my normal size, when these guys train with me, I run them over. i tell you right now. If these guys train with me, I run them over. I train with so many talented guys. Like, I never had a coach my whole life, right? So I trained at Fortis MMA for the first time for this Cody's fight for only two weeks. I had did a pre-camp there, which was, like, for, like, a week only, and tried it out. Coach said, come down, see if you like it. I did it there. I went back home. Right when I got back home, they called me and gave me a Cody no fight. So I didn't even need to go back home. If they didn't let me go back home, I wasted like a whole month at home doing nothing, still training, but not fight training. And then I went back to went back to coach's gym to fight Cody with only two weeks left. Coach said, Trev, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're not in shape, you know, we, we work hard here. If you're not in shape and, you know, show me something today. The first day I got into they said, you got to show me now. He got guys ready to shark take me the first day. All his guys, all UFC fighters too. He said, show me something and then we'll see. We'll talk. I poured my heart out there that first day. You can ask him. You can bring it up. Anybody knows. All the high-level guys at Fortis MMA knows. Jeff Nell, everyone knows. They watched me pour my heart out. Coach told me right after, you can fight. That was a game changer in my life. That was a game changer in my life because I never had my own head coach for pure MMA. I've had Drysdale and my coach, Marcelo Ruiz, who's jiu-jitsu, but a full MMA coach that tells me right off the bat, and I'm challenging his also talented UFC guys, tell me straight up in front of them and everything, you can fight. And pushing for me, that was the game changer in my life to let me know, wow, you really can fight. Because I've been to gyms like Extreme Couture and all these talented places, and they show me love a different way, and I understand it. This is how smart I am. A coach... And those kind of gyms are never, they already got guys that are good in the UFC. They never want to show you more love than their guys that are already there. So me going there, even though I can beat their guys, I'm not going to get the proper thing. And that's why I'm kind of mad at that gym because of my friend Kyle, man. Because my friend Kyle helped all those UFC guys up. He was so talented, sparring partners, everything. And he deserved to be in the UFC easily. And he never got in. I don't know why no one there didn't push for him to get in. I'm like, Kyle is talented, bro. Why is this guy not in the UFC, man? And, but I understand they have their own guys that they, they, they that they bought up and they're going to want to keep the love with their guys. You know, they're not going to want to show that new guy that, that talented love because then their guys are going to be like, whoa, I understand it. So me going to some gyms, I'm never going to get the proper respect from the coach. He's going to show love, but I got to be able to catch that love in a different way. That's how smart I am. I know he's going to rub my head or something frequently. When no one's looking, he's going to hit me on the butt, walk by. You know, he's going to give that love a different way to show me I'm talented. He's not going to give me that prep talk like he's going to give his regular guys. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get so I already knew. I looked to get my love in a different ways. But other coach, he was giving me the proper, like he was saying it in front of his guys and everything. And that was different for me. So I know how talented I am, man. If these guys train with me in a the gym, they'll feel me and they'll know I run guys over. I go hard in the gym, especially when I pay my money to travel and train. I'm coming there to work. I'm coming there to get in shape. There's usually one or two guys only in the gym that's whatever. There's not usually like 10 or 15, you know. There's only that one or two guy, and, and that guy's also the overachiever in the gym who I also respect who's talented, you know. 
So these were good guys I was sparring with, good guys working me. You know, they're working me too, but, you know, the the, the work I'm putting in is phenomenal, bro. Five, five, five rounds, six rounds, Shark Tank, all UFC level fighters, all guys in the UFC, small gloves, full sparring, can knock out, can choke out, full in a Shark Tank, their whole team watching. I got that full pressure, just like a fight, because I don't know any of these guys. They're all watching coaches right there, his coaches right there. Boom, new guys coming in, getting told a game plan before he comes in to fight me, before he do the second round. Rough. That was the game changer in my life. Um, the UFC messed up on letting me go after that Cody fight because I leveled up. I leveled up. I'm telling you right now, I leveled up. I leveled up. I thought Cody was going to have way more than that. Come on, that's Cody No Love. I grew up watching him too. Let's be honest. I thought Cody was going to come. Late notice too. The inside game, the, the things he knows, all his managers and all those guys follow me. They watch all my stuff. They're lurking all the way. They 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 had Javid in his corner, all of that. He had all the advantages. Late notice, I thought he was going to bring it. I thought he was going to take advantage. I'm going to have the big weight cut. He was going to push the cardio. He was looking for the perfect fight for like two months or two years. You're right. A long time he was looking for the perfect fight. He had to be in shape, shape, getting all the UFC proper food, getting all the UFC workouts. You were in shape, shape. I know what the UFC offer. You stay, you stay in Vegas. All those guys in Vegas, I've to look at Javid, all those guys. They're getting that top notch, bro. They're getting that cream on the crop. They know they can go out there and perform at their highest because the statistics already told them that they could perform at their highest. So believe it or not, people can say what they want. Like Cody said after, that was the best Cody you ever seen. Physically and shape-wise, everything, that was the best. His, his results already spoke before the fight through the PI. Now his mental didn't want to fight me like the real Cody. That's what it was. His mental wanted to play a little bit more safer and everything. And so did me. My mental wanted to not give him a chance to get off anything and not my mental wanted me to not not look stupid missing and take my time. And that caused me to fight. It did. But at the same time, I thought he was going to do the other half of the battle for me. That was Cody. No love I was fighting, bro. That was the former king, bro. I've seen this guy bang up Dominic, point to him, make him look stupid. I was like, woo, this is the fight, Trev. I was like, woo. He's definitely going to run into the knockout because he's going to try and bring it. Nah, not at all, bro. That was an easy fight, bro. That was the easiest fight of my life. Speaking of the hardest fight, that was the easiest fight of my life. Like, no, for real. I'm not even being biased. That fight was nothing. We didn't fight, bro. That was the easiest fight of my life. We did not fight. We did not get into the mix. I was not even tired. I was just getting going. He was tired. Cody was tired. I was going to get him. I was, I, was, I was just getting warmed up, bro. No one did nothing. We just missed. But people got to understand that. That was, that was the chess match. That first round was a chess match. That, that second round, he gave all he can get first, those two takedowns. After that, he had nothing. Once I got up, once I caught that little slight guillotine, got back up again, he had nothing for me after that. I'm telling you, people can say what they want. That guy had nothing for me after that. I was going to eat him alive after that. I'm telling you, he had to move the feet. He had to, bro. And I understand it. He had to. That's your level now right? But you're saying that you haven't really worked with an MMA coach for your whole career. It hasn't really been like a consistent MMA coach. I want to ask you, how good would you be if you were at a consistent gym, maybe in like Vegas? Oh, bro. I go to these places in two weeks and the coach is like, whoa, I'm telling you, I've been everywhere. Tiger Muay Thai, Korean top team. I've been there. I've been everywhere already. I've trained at places, bro. Believe it or not, 
My skill level was also high from all the places I was willing to step foot in and get it on right away. I've been in so many my whole career. I live for this. Um, how good would I be? I just posted this. I said, okay, guys, I'm going to be honest. We just spoke about this too. It's not the same if you don't do it with your friends. I told my friends, I tried to do it with you guys the first time. The second time around, I'm going to have the old men in my corner. I'm going to have the old men in my corner. I just said that to you earlier too. That's what I meant. I tried to do it with my friends. It didn't work, you know? I tried to give it all with my circle, with the way I wanted to do it, with the way that'll make, like, all the pride goes to my team and everything. I didn't want to give a new head coach. I knew they could make me better. I knew. But I knew. But I still wanted to be there for so long so they don't take away from my guys that have been giving me everything. My guys also made me this good also. So I wanted to make sure my brother, all these guys that are by my side, get their shine on too. As brothers, as one, we did that route. It didn't work. We did that route. I specifically posted this yesterday, two days ago. We did that route. I posted on my story. I said, Guam, we did that route. I tried being in a UFC and lacking it off training out of Guam, representing Guam to the fullest. I went for it my hardest, and it didn't work out. Now, I'm still going to be fighting out of Guam, but I'm going to be doing my whole full camps in the States with a whole new coaching system. You know, you'll probably have one of my guys from here but there'll be full two old men in my corner instead of three of my guys in my corner. You know what I mean? Just to get that higher level that look. So I'm going to be so good. Man, I'm going to be talented. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Where will you go, man? What coaches are you looking for? It's not about what coaches I look for. I've worked with so many talented coaches, so many of them, man. It's what coaches want to work with me at this point, you know? What coaches I'm going to feel most comfortable with. I've worked with a lot of them. Like I said, um, they got their guys, man. And they got their guys. And I grew up in a tightening gym where all my guys are brothers. So if I don't feel that brotherhood, it's hard for me to want to be around. You know what I mean? Like, So I have to find the right place where it's brothers. As far as coaches, I know a lot of coaches. I'm going to go back to some of the old coaches before I got into the UFC. Gil Martinez, boxing and from Las Vegas and all that. It's not about what coaches. I just need to work with them for a longer period of time. I just need to work with them for a longer period of time. Like, I'm not working with them long enough. Right when I'm getting super good, it's time for me to go. Right when I'm getting my jiu-jitsu back on, I dry out for three weeks. Catching my groove, and I'm already, like, got the coaches going crazy the last two weeks. It's already time for me to go home and slow it back down. I need to keep that pace for a high enough level so it sticks to my game. You know? I'm definitely on that level. I just, so it's going to be about me going over there and actually spending six months in the States. Six, uh, going travel places and actually spending a full camp there. That's what's going to make the difference. That's what I haven't been doing. That's what I said. I wanted to like start the first half of camp, get in shape with my team, work with my team, let my team be involved. And then I'll break away the last three weeks into another team. But my team still feels like they're involved because even when I'm going to these other teams, I'm prepping to go to these other teams. I'm not going to these other teams trash. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to go there and get beat up in the and the coach talk trash to me and, I look like I don't belong. I'm pre-gaming for these other teams too. So the skills that I'm bringing to these other teams that the coaches are giving me credit or that I'm able to beat these other talented guys is still coming from my team. So I want my team to, you know, get their credit. And I did that the first time and it just didn't work out. Where would I go? Man, it's up in the air, man. It's up in the air. I still like Fortis MMA, man. I like Fortis MMA. They grind just like my school at home. Coach Saif is amazing. His push. That's all I need is that extra push. I teach and I do all that on my own. My technique and everything is well. I just need the coach to push it out of me. You know what I mean? 
when I was fighting the UFC, man, I was the only one working, to be honest, man. Nobody else had fights. It was COVID. None of my other teammates had fights. There was no other, or, or, or other organizations are only coming back now. There was nothing going on, bro. No one had energy to want to fight. No one wanted to be around at the gym because they might get sick and take it to their family. Bro, I was pushing through those tough UFC fights. Mario Bautista, Javier Bastard. I was pushing to them with the, I was pushing through those fights with the bare minimum, bro. Honestly, I was with the bare minimum. The bare minimum, you know? And then whatever chips I had, I'll go fly out the last minute, like I said. But I was. That was I was the bare minimum, bro. Barely having training partners, bro. When I was at Vita BJJ with Chivara, we had partners, bro. We had guys show up. We had at least like 20 guys show up. And they were hired. All the high, I lost every higher up that was higher up than me with COVID. There was no one higher up than me when COVID. I was the highest rank left. When COVID left, so I was the I was I was in full charge. You know what I mean? That's why the downfall came the way it came, and I understand it. Um, not that the other guys are not as talented as me. I'm just the higher up because I just put in that type of work. I work that hard. I take charge. You know, I speak. I teach. I teach the kids. I teach the adults. You know, I'm 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 the one giving out all the talent and teaching right now. So I'm very smart. I know my skill level. My guys on Guam are undefeated, bro. Like these guys don't lose. Like in jiu-jitsu tournaments and stuff, like like these guys, these other schools got full schools, 30 guys, 40 guys, full altos, jiu-jitsu, all that. Man, my guys don't even lose. I think, or actually, we just got our first loss. One of our guys just had a first loss, but we went 5-1 and one this last tournament. Um, Submission-only tournaments, we went 5-1. and one. And these are guys that I'm teaching. We only had one loss. And before that, all the other tournaments were undefeated. We always, they got gold and everything, bro. So I believe my teaching is also good. So I know where I stand. I just need to um, get someone to push me like the way I push my guys. Who's your favorite fighter and why? Ooh, my favorite fighter was Valentina Shimchenko. Why? Because she was that good. But that was also me being like, this girl just shows up. She fights everyone. And that last fight she did lose. And I could change the perspective. Because maybe I think she can still beat that girl, but she kind of just underestimated her. I know how that gets when you always win. The fire of a loser is way more stronger than a, than a loss. Like, I don't care what anybody say. Me, when I won and I beat Mario, there's no way I feel like the Trevor Jones that I felt after my losses. And even that I feel now. Like, I'm ready to kill a man. You know what I mean? Like, I'm ready to go back to that. I'm like, and I still got all those skills I have too. That's why you become a stronger fighter. It's only if I want to fold myself and think I'm not worth it, but I'm thinking like a killer. Is Valentina Shatenko. Um, at the other hand, for for her, just fighting all the top guys and not getting caught with nothing and nothing. On the other hand, it's John Jones, man. And because John Jones just fought all those guys at a young level. I understand what he means. He was twenty one when he got the belt. Man, there's no discipline there. You're gonna make all the mistakes he made. You're gonna party, bro. There's no way around it. You get that high and not make those type of mistakes that early on in your career. So everything that John Jones did bad, I don't have nothing against him. He'll be my favorite male fighter because it's John Jones. It's John Jones. And that's just that's me talking from a talent perspective. Now, if I want to go inspirational, I, man, I'm just like this. I'm sorry. I was loving on Donald Cerrone so crazy at, at one point because Why? He had built that whole ranch, everything, all that property, bring guys in, built his own gym, doing all these fun fucking things, man. And, like, that's what you want to be able to do, bro. You want to be able to enjoy yourself, man. Fighting is so hard, man. It's so stressful, man. 
These fighters win fucking 10 fights in a row and they get their first loss and they're depressed, bro. That's how hard fighting is. Like, imagine how I feel right now. I'm down four. You know how hard fighting is? But me, I have a strong mental, you know? I can't expect people to have the mental that I have. I'm a different animal. I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to do no matter what. People are going to talk what they're going to talk. I might play into it and talk trash back sometimes or I might ignore it. But at the end of the day, Trev's going to be Trev tomorrow. Not all guys are going to have that strong mental and came up hard like me with nothing at all. Some guys is actually going to fold them. Like, like, like they, they get one or two losses and they're ready to give up. Bro, you're too talented to give up. It's closer on this side than it's closer to give up. Why are you giving up? You know what I mean? So you're always going to see me push, man. My mental is just on another level. Like I never had that easy path. And it, go, it goes back to what I said, how I started my career. I fought these these guys that we talked about that I fought, and my career went like that. And I got robbed also because I wasn't supposed to beat these guys when I beat these guys. And, yeah, my record looks like it looks because you see how I started out. I started out fighting dogs, so they had to find me dog all the way through. So I fought on an even playing field throughout my whole career. Whole career I fought on an even playing field. Or I'm my bad. I fought at disadvantage at first. Then I fought on an even playing field. Then, even though everybody thinks Rayoni and them was a disadvantage for me, I never did. So I'm not going to say I fought on a disadvantage against them. No way. I fought on an even playing field still for myself because I was supposed to beat those guys. I'm capable. I'm telling you, I'm very capable. So, um, yeah, my record looks like that because I fought on an even playing field all the way through. A lot of these guys, they're going to go build a record 5-0, and 6-0. and Then they're going to take on a guy on an even playing field, get to 8-0. and and then they're going to start fighting someone hard by 8-0. That's on their level. They might beat him. They might beat another tough guy. They really only beat two tough guys. They're 10-0. They look good. Absolutely. I understand that. I will fight that guy. That's the guy I'm going to beat and show my level. <laughs> what inspired you to become a fighter at the start? I played. I'm a sports player my whole career. I was uh, in the States. They call it All-State when you in high school. You're All-Star. On Guam, they call it All-Island when you when you're on, on the high schools on Guam, all island, when you challenge all us, I was all state, all island in, in uh, rugby and football all four years of my high school career. Um, super athletic. I did football. I did adult football lead after I graduated, and we won a championship. And a championship ended, and no one had no nothing to do. I just had graduated high school. I joined the football lead. Keep in mind, the football lead is like August, right? So it maybe started like. July, there's no school. You go back to school around that time in America. Going back to school, there's no school. So we did the adult football league, which lasted two months. It was like September or something. I had nothing to do. I graduated. I just got on adult football league, and now it was time to go back to it was time to go back to school. I graduated. Um, I was done. I had to find another outlet. I had to find something to do. I was supposed to move back to New Orleans, but instead I um. Decided to play this outside football league. And then um, there was fighters on the team. And they were like, bro, you're too talented, bro. You got to come try jiu-jitsu. We got a Brazilian coming in. He's coming straight to Guam next week. He's going to teach here for years. He got a two-year contract in. He's from Raba Dreisel. And that's my coach, Marcelo Nunes. So world champion, everything. I ended up training with him earlier in my career. Right off the back, white belt, training with a world champion. Two days of two days uh two days a week, or two days a week, two times a day, every day. Even Sundays we'll train. He's a Brazilian, bro. He didn't got no money. He's staying in the gym. We're trying to help take care of him and build him up. 
this guy came from nothing to like, this guy's in a PFL right now, has a whole family, stays in Las Vegas, everything. He came from a Brazilian that didn't even speak English, bro. Zero. Sleeping in the gym. Us boys going there, feeding him, taking care of food, giving him extra money besides what he was making to where he got a car, to where he got a scooter, to where he got a car, to where he got a girlfriend, to that girlfriend becoming his wife from Guam. So to him becoming my, to him running the whole dry cell right now, he runs the whole dry cell, to that still be my head coach, to everything, to best friends, to everything. And that's his story from no English. And I trained with him every day and I got promoted to blue belt in like five months. I was a blue belt in five months. That's why my career jump started. Right when I was a blue belt in five months, I had my first amateur fight. Right when I went to Japan as a white belt and competed in the Asian Open, I got third place. First tournament I ever did. Fought like five or six guys. Um, won like five fights. Lost to the sixth guy. Came back. I got my blue belt from him. Two weeks later, my other coach, who was the MMA guy, who was the fighter, he had an amateur fight for me already. He said, we're throwing you in, bro. You're too good. you already been helping us out. You got to fight. And I just took it. I was scared out of my ass, bro. Threw up everything. Ah, before the fight. Went crazy. And that was the amateur that I told you about. One of the undefeated amateurs who had so many fights. So I felt he had more experience and everything than me. I was doing the game. I was only a help out guy. <laughs> he threw me out there. I threw up, nervous at the arena, everything. My one friend told me. This dude made me a fighter. He said, Trevin. No matter what, you're too good. This is not going to be your last fight. So you better suck it up. That's what one of my best friends told me. He said, no matter what, this ain't your last fight, bro. You're too good at this. You better suck it up or get used to it now. And I remember just like sitting there and I'm like, yeah. And then I built energy off that, built energy off that. Then about another 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, they're like, Trevin, you're on deck. Then I was strong when I was on deck. Then I was went out there. I dominated him, man. Beat him down, bro. Easy fight. Hard fight because of what the decision. But I was never in any danger. I dominated the whole fight. He was just also a tough guy. For more experience than me. Knew the positions. Had already been in MMA fights before. I had never. So he was able to withstand my storm. But I kept the storm going all three rounds. Then after that, they gave me a, with his other partner. So I fought four of these guys from the same team in a row, bro. <laughs> and then later on... I, and then later on, I ended up fighting their other guys. So I fought all five of their 135 pounders that they had from the other team. And we're all friends now. We train together sometimes. Now that, we, you know, crazy. One of them I fought three times. He's talented too. You fought one of them three times. Which one? Three times. Kyle Ugin. We fought the first pro fight, the one I told you, my very first pro fight, before I fought the title guy. Then we fought in the middle of my career. It was a very close fight. He beat me, but... Like I said, go back and watch the fight. I, he's he's he was hometown organization boy. This is the organization's gym that I'm talking about. This is their gym. You gotta hear me out. This is the organization. Those five guys are from the organization's gym. I'm now cool with the organization and all the higher ups now because I earned my guy. I'm the black guy from the island. I'm the Israel Asande. You know what I mean? I'm the Izzy, bro. That's what they gotta understand. I'm the Izzy over here. I had the hardest path possible. I had to really break through all of them, bro, or I would have never got here. I had to really break through all of them. The third fight, I beat him for the title. I told him I was going to come back for the title, so he ended up getting the title before me. The Korean guy that I said was a two-time champion, 
No, he ended up beating Russell Dome, who's former UFC fighter. Former UFC fighter Russell Dome, he ended up beating Russell Dome, and he ended up getting a title before me. So I'm like, what? So I'm going to come back for that title. I already knew. Even since that first fight, they didn't. even since I beat that guy that when I was wanting to know and I fought his teammate for the title, they didn't want to give me the title fight. They wanted to make it hard as possible. So Kyle Ogini had a better pat for me after I had lost to his teammate. He had a better pat than me because he was organization homeboy. And he was tough and he was good too. He, he was no slouch, but he just knew he was going to get the title shot by being on that side. I knew they wanted me to do like, this is an outside organization, bro. You beat three tough guys, you should deserve a title shot. These guys really made me work years like a UFC, bro. Like, I worked like a UFC to come back and get that title. I ended up getting a title back on him after we fought our third time. What, 10 fights later? 10 fights later or something, I ended up getting a title from him back. So, yeah, man, it was crazy. And then after I got the title from him back, I broke off the fight in a, a four-man tournament in Korea, which was for a title. Then I fought ACB after that. Then I went straight to the UFC after that. So my level has been all up there, guys. It's been it's been guys that's all holding titles or all guys in big leads for the last 12 fights, bro, something like that, you know? All of them have been in big leads. All 12 of my last opponents, maybe even more, have been in Bellator, 1FC, or UFC. Nothing less. What position did you play in football? I played cornerback and running back. Only one of them have been, I'm sorry. The Korean guy that, that they robbed me on a split decision, he's the only one that never got to break through to the big league. But come on, you beat me on a split decision, you, you're still talented too, which I won that fight. It was in hometown. But he got the win. Kudos to him. He still deserved it too. But other than him, the other 11 guys all been in big promotions. And I played cornerback and running back and um, football, safety, and in, and in rugby, I'm outside center and inside center. Yeah, so in, in uh, football, I was running back and cornerback and safety. And in rugby, I was outside center and inside center. I got all island all four years. Like, I'm I'm just as skilled in that as I am in fighting. I was, um, I was team captain. I was star of the team, you know. So, yeah, I was good. I was good in all sports. I take sports seriously. That's why MMA is not something that I feel I could quit because a lot of guys take it as fighting and I can't fight. Me, I take it as a sport and I got to get better at the sport, you know. Uh, a NBA team can go 30 and a NBA team can go 0 and 30. They still got to battle. They still got to finish the rest of their games. You know what I mean? I still got to finish the rest of my games. You know what I mean? Next season, I'm going to try and still be champion again. You know what I mean? That's how I look at the sport of MMA. You know, a lot of these guys just give up on themselves. and don't believe they can make it. I believe their time's done. You got to figure out how to work harder and work smarter. Your last regiment was not harder and smarter enough. Fix it. That's how I feel. So I'm here fixing it. That's how I feel. Is fighting the ultimate sport? I always thought I was going to be a football player. Fighting is the ultimate sport for me from where I'm at, for as much knowledge as I know about it now and for where my career is at. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, by far. Those other sports are hard, too. The fire, the fighting requires your undivided attention because you cannot... There's other sports you can have other teammates that are on fire that day that can cover your ground if you're having a bad game. That's why I say these fighters that have bad days are still talented too. They had a bad game. I look at it like a bad game. I can still have a, if I if I do have multiple players and it was a four on four or a five on five, yeah, I might have lost a decision, but my teammates might have knocked their teammates out. You know what I mean? So 
we could have we could have still had a better game. You know what I mean? My team just went five and one in that last tournament. Do we want to look at it as my one teammate lost, my five teammates won, or do we want to look at it as an overall result? Our overall result was five and one. We did good. That was that's what I mean by team. Um, so I gotta figure out how to get better for next season. That's what I gotta do. A lot of guys really don't got the skills. At the other case, if you would agree, I would agree. Do you believe that I have the skills to m- fix things, get a better coach, and then be a better fighter in the UFC a second time around? So, 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 yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Where that's where I'm at with it. There also could be guys that we saw go in there that absolutely suck balls, and we know that's not the case for them. So we have to look at it case by case and realistic. If I sucked in there, I was getting finished in there. I feel like I can't beat those guys, then I'll know this is done for me. Let's find something else. But I feel like there's a lot for me there, and I'm still getting better. And it was a lot of circumstances in those fights, so that's what drives me. Like, if I be, if I fought those guys on all these bad circumstances, what would I do on the good circumstances? What would I do when things are in my favor, the ball's in my court? And that's what I'm looking forward to when the ball is in my court. It could never be, but I'm looking forward to when it is because people are going to salute me. What's your favorite technique in fighting? My favorite technique in fighting, um, like I said, my, I had a little knee injury for two years in the UFC, so my style changed, man. I was striking guys, and they become scared of my striking. But I'm not a striker at all, man. I'm a ground guy. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. I do jiu-jitsu every day. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. I wasn't able to use it because I just didn't have the confidence in my head to put that type of pressure on my knee from when it got hurt to how it is now. I actually can tell, like, wow, your knee was really hurt. The Javid fight, Javid was a good striker. I struck with him the whole time. I should have been resting him and all that, but I couldn't. And like I said, I didn't want to pull out of that fight because I already pulled out the Rayoni fight. So I didn't want to pull out Tyson Arona. You know, she's looking at me like I'm some scared fighter because that's not the case. That's why I went back right away and fought Rayoni right away after that. Like, And Rayoni's talented, and I'm down two now. I'm down two now, and I still got to fight Rayoni. Now I'm down three, and I'm still going to step up to fight Cody. So I so that speaks for itself where I'm at in my head. And that speaks what I think about my game. And that speaks for my level. Because these were close fights, man. People can say what they want. You only get a winner and a loser out there. You're telling me a loser deserves no credit at all? You're telling me Bradley Moreno deserves no credit at all? You're telling me Julian Turner deserves no credit at all? Come on. Those guys did great. They lost, but they did great. They did so... It's how you want to look at yourself, man. Of course, you don't like the feeling of a man being better than you. But these judges are not always accurate, too, man. And, yes, they're accurate in those calls, but they're not always accurate. So you cannot look at decisions, decision losses for what it is, man. Decision losses means go get a little better, and then you can beat that guy. That's what a decision loss is. Decision losses is go get a little better, and you can finish that guy. Um. My favorite submission, my favorite technique in, in MMA is a choke, a guillotine, guillotine choke. Why a guillotine choke? Because um, it's just something that can catch a guy off guard. He thinks he's manhandling him. He thinks he's about to get a takedown, but he's really about to get it caught in one of the most basicest moves of the game. And he's going to feel really ashamed when he got, when he was so talented and so good and he got caught with such a guillotine. I catch so many, like, I catch so many talented fighters with guillotines, man, yo. You'll be surprised who I've caught with a guillotine. And, um, yeah, guillotine. I'm so good at guillotines, man. It's like I said, 
when I when 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 I'm all there and I'm all together, I'm gonna put out a good game, man. I think the weight cuts were really killing my performance. Um, I gotta figure out if I really want to stay at 35 again. I know 45 off performed spectacular. I already know. I just know it. But I got unfinished business at 135, so I already know I'm gonna end up back there, man. I'm stubborn like that. You see me? I'm so stubborn. I hate myself too. I hate myself too. I'm so stubborn because I want to get it back. But if I got a, a good opportunity for 45 fights, I definitely want to feel 45. I want to feel 45 because I think I'll just be so talented at 45. But like I say, this time is for me to figure out how to be a better 35er since I'm already got this bias to 35 and I'm saying the weight cuts were too hard and that was stalling my performance. I got to figure out how to do it better. That's what I got to do. That's what this time's for. I know it's where I belong. I've had it where I hit the weight cuts white, right? And I performed the way I know I could perform. That's why I got this mindset. So I need to figure out how to do that every time. That's what I got to figure out. So guillotine is my best choke. Rear naked chokes, I'm good at all of those, man. Um, but yeah, once you get caught in my guillotine, you're not getting out. When you do guillotines, do you jump for them or do you do them up against the fence? What do you think's better or what do you think you're better at? So after we get off the video with this, um, by tonight, I'm going to send you three of my guillotines in MMA. I did them all, man. I did them where I jump. I did it where they're against the cage. I did it where the guy shoots a takedown and he thinks he's about to get a takedown and he falls right into my trap. Um, I do the high elbow guillotine. Um, I did it from the half guard where I put guys to sleep from the half guard because they think they're safe, but really there's no safety in a high elbow guillotine because that range that I can't get with the full guard, I made it up in the high elbow guillotine. So, um, yeah, man, I do all the guillotines, man. When it's really sunk in and I just know I got it, I know how to find that adjustment real well. I win a lot of my tournaments by guillotine. Um, it's to the point where I'm Guam. Like, guys can have better wrestling than me or whatever, but they don't, they don't want to shoot that takedown in jiu-jitsu tournaments on me. They already know um, the guillotine is going to be a problem. It's going to threaten them. It's going to cause them to get taken down. They have to really be smart and strategic with me because even if you get the takedown, there might be a guillotine on your neck. So I'm very good at the guillotine. I've seen you three or four videos of me hitting the guillotine in competition, in MMA fights. I believe I have three guillotines in MMA. So three guillotines and two rear naked chokes. So... I'll send you it. You're really good at guillotine chokes. That spiking technique where you throw the person the opposite way and they slam their head into the mat. What do you think about that? They've banned spiking, but in some Chinese so, promotions, they're still doing it and people are getting knocked out cold. So, yeah, I can see why. I, I, I can see why they don't want things like that to happen because it's going to change the narrative of the sport. A lot of people are not going to have long careers. A lot of people are not going to... Um, a loose teeth, a lot of people are going to get damaged and fights are not going to be interesting. If I go and clinch you like I'm good at clinch and I headbutt you twice right away, it's not going to be much of a fight and it's going to be a lot of damage. There's going to be no career in it. So at the same time, I understand how they're trying to look at it as, you got to understand, Aljo might be the winner of this sport, but he's not the winner of fights. There's street fighters out there that can blast him. There's street fighters out there that can blast me, get caught off guard with a cheap shot anything the real fight narrative the real fight is a whole different category and i'll probably dog some of these guys out in the real fight because i'm from america we do street fights a lot and 
a lot of these foreign countries and stuff that I go to, and a lot of these third world countries that I go to, they kill. You know, you do something bad to them, they end up killing you. You know, um, that's how they take out their anger. In America, we actually can actually get better at street fighting and learn how to street fight because, yeah, now the younger kids will shoot or whatever now and then, but you also have the ability to square up and throw hands. So any country that has an ability that the guys won't kill them right away, like these third world countries where they can square hands, they have the ability to get good at street fights. You know what I mean? So street fight is a whole different other level. Like just because Aljo is the best 35er at cage fighting doesn't mean he's the best 35er at street fighting. Because there is some brutal motherfuckers out there, like you said. Um, at the same time, the headbutting it should be out, but the spiking and anything and the head kicks on the ground, those things should be in. Absolutely they should be in the fight. Um, it should be just anything that won't cause death or anything that won't cause yeah, it's like the fight being too not competitive, like a headbutt would be like clinch, headbutt the guy twice, take him down, headbutt him twice on the ground. It won't be much of a fight. The fight will be over. So I can understand why I take the headbutts out. But the head kicks to the ground, the stumps to the fucking ground, everything, that shit needs to be included. Because, yes, that will make a fight a whole different game. And it's just like this. Keep this out. I never want to say this because, like, at the end of the day, I want to go back to the UFC. But that Cody fight on the 1FC roof said I win that fight. Overall judging, I win that fight. Cody didn't damage me at all. 1FC will do overall judging. For a fight on our level, Cody No Love, they'll do overall judging. And I think, yeah, that la- even that last little three, two-minute spurt, chasing him around all the time, getting that little licks at the end, pounding his face, I think that was much more damage than he did. The first round was really close. The second round, he got two little takedowns. One takedown, I got up right away. The second takedown, I caught that slight guillotine. That's still some type of attack. Islam Makachev and Volkanovski that fourth round. Islam has his back, holds him for four minutes of the round. What was Volk doing the whole time? Punch, 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 punch. punch. He damaged him way more than uh, Islam did. And under pride rules, Volk wins that fight. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So it's just a rule set. We go back to what you're asking, um, adding that in. These guys are winning on that rule set. They're learning how to play that particular rule set of the cage fighting. It's just like I posted yesterday for jiu-jitsu guys. These guys win by advantage. You know what an advantage is in jiu-jitsu? It's like I almost did this to him, but it didn't happen. I almost passed his guard, but he recovered his guard. You get an advantage point. It's not a real point. It's a point after the points are are equal. And then we see who won off the advantages. Some guys will just have 0-0 win by one advantage and think they beat it on their chest like they're the craziest man in the world. That guy did equally as good, too, on the ground. You almost got to the side control. You did not get to the side control. He recovered it. So he wins and he loses, but how mad should he be about himself? And how happy should he be about himself? It should be about even to me. That's what I'm saying. Um, these guys learn to win on these rule sets, man. Cody and, and Jeff Vietnam are playing this backing up stuff. What happened to the rule? Octagon aggression. It's supposed to be octagon aggression. Cody had no octagon aggression. Therefore, I watched that fight very good. He got one more body kick than me in the first round. Just one more and maybe one more punch. But I had all that chasing around. That first round was my round. I chased him around way much more. The second round, he did what he did. He got his little takedown. I got up right away. He got his second takedown. I got the guillotine right away. And then that round was in. I chased him around still. Got some hard leg kicks on him. I got some up kick. I got a little good two on there. Kind of still of a round still. He didn't barely do much. 
But the Toronto actually landed damage. I got a big slam. I got big hits. I hit him to the body big and heard, ugh, cringe. I took him down after that. I pounded him. I ended the round on top. In 1FC, that is a win for Trevor Jones. That is not a win for Cody Nola. When it comes to overall judging, Cody ran. That's the honest truth. He backed up. He disengaged from the fight way more than me. He played it safe for the fight to get to a decision like it did. I did not play it safe for the fight to get to a decision like that. Yeah, I didn't throw the proper punches while I was adding pressure. That's because I knew he wasn't going to be there. He was going to play that head movement stuff like Dominic and try and make me miss. So I felt like, oh, the crowd can see him running. That's how I felt. Don't throw the crowd can see who's backing up. They can see who's fucking disengaging this much. And you heard the booze from it. And you can hear his corner saying, don't pay attention to that champ. It's, you got to fight this. Nah, this guy's a former champion. He has way higher expectations to live up than that. Way. So he can be, he, he ain't happy with that win. He never posted out a thing about that fight after that fight because he knows he cannot say nothing about that fight. He knows. I know how Cody is. I used to follow him. I used to watch him. Right when he gets his wins, he makes his little highlight video. He does his little thing. He posts his little, you know. He never said a word. I've been waiting for him. I'm waiting for Cody to say something about that fight so I can get him. Because Boyd didn't do nothing for a former champion. And he knows. And I respect him. He didn't say nothing. And it lets me know who I was in that fight. What's your proudest moment in MMA so far? My proudest moment was the Cody fight. Taking on a former champion like that, short notice, being down three. That shit takes balls, bro. That shit takes balls. These guys are not going to make that happen. Who else is going to do that? No one else in the UFC is going to do that. Nuh-uh, there's nobody there made like that. So that's one of my proudest moments. And the Tamir knockout on late notice, on 34 hours notice, the Tamir knockout, my DFC debut, should have been my proudest moment. But then again, it really wasn't because everybody else just didn't know I was capable of that. I knew I was capable of that. So it doesn't, like, everyone else can't put their expectations on me. They want me to feel so proud of knocking out Tamir. I am proud of knocking out Tamir. It was amazing. Tamir is so talented. It's amazing. Even when I watched him fight morning, because even when I, even when they called me uh, Wednesday and I started cutting weight and I, I didn't, and I got ready to fight him, I still didn't watch him yet. Only fight day, I got up in the morning and I watched him. I said, whoa, I got to fight this guy after making weight after, fuck, I got to fucking, it's so hard. This guy's crazy. I got to fight this crazy ass Russian after making weight on 30, on not 34 hours. It was 34 hours to the fight. Oh, no, it was 34 hours to the fight. 34 hours to weigh-ins, yeah. 34 hours to weigh-ins. Woo, that was hard, bro. And I died almost, bro. And they and I still have to beat this talented guy. So that should have been one of my proud moments. But like I said, when I got on that plane and I flew out there and I was training, I knew I was capable of that. And I was out in the States for a month. I was supposed to already go back home. I had gave up. Like, oh, they're not going to call me. They're not going to call me. And right when I was about to get back on the plane, they called me. Like, I just got the call right on the end of my trip when I gave up and started to party. I gave up already. I trained hard for three weeks out there, giving my all. My birthday came up. That's why. And then I started to party. And I was giving up already. Oh, they're not going to call me. Then right when I started to give up and started to enjoy myself, I wouldn't have a fat burger. Got off the meal prep, had a fat burger, had a frap, everything. Started to eat a little bad. Boom, they called me. Right then and there, they called me. So I already know, man, when things seem rough, it's coming. So right now, something's about to come. Like I said, my manager got to me this morning, so you're about to hear some news real soon. Trev, how'd you get so much drip? Uh, 
like I said, my family's all like that. Like I, I go like I've been in I've been on Guam all this time, right? And I'm visiting New Orleans more often now, reconnecting with all my family, my siblings, my aunties, who used to take care of me when I was a little run, and my brothers and sisters, who were all adults now. I'm hanging out with them as an adult now. And I see their swag, man. So as much as I want to put it on myself, like, you just found this swag. It's in the bloodline, man. All my family members love to dress and stay fresh. I guess I saw it enough when I was a kid. But we all just like to stay fresh. We don't like to, I don't know. It's not even about showing off or, or, or having a drip. That's just really who we are, man. Like, there's really people out there that's not trying to show off and make anyone feel less than who they are that's just who we are, man. We really like rocking nice stuff. And I think it goes back to your ancestors and the type of people you grew up around. Like a lot of my family never had nothing. So everything they earned, they wanted to, you know, I earned it, you know, they want to wear it and rock it and show that they earned it. So I think it's easy for people to mistake my confidence for arrogance because I would just want to show what I earned. Same thing with my career. I wasn't given it. I was earned it. If I was in the States, I would have been in the UFC a long time ago, probably 6-0. I was that good at 6-0. Or seven and I was as good as I was now. More aggressive. Right now I'm more smarter, more talented, more knowledge. But I was more aggressive. I was that Trev that everyone's asking for. I was that Trev if I fought Jeff Vietnam back then. They're in trouble. I know. Not and, and I'm much better now, but I just know I don't think they can handle that energy that I brought to the table when I was a little bit younger. When I was twenty six, twenty seven, if I fought them, they're gonna deal with a whole different type of fighter. They're gonna deal with a, they're gonna deal with the fighter that I'm trying to be inside this fighter with the knowledge I have. And that's a that's a world champion, without a doubt, in the UFC. I'm telling you, if I can mix my old self with my new self, which I'm working on right now, that's a world champion. I'm telling you. So the drip just comes from my family, man. My family likes to stay fresh. It's who we are, bro. We, we sharp, man. When you got nice things, you feel good. You rock nice gloves, you spar better. You get a new gi, you grapple better. You get wrestling shoes, you shoot better takedowns. It's just a way of staying that float, man. If you're rocking dingy, dirty stuff, driving an ugly car or whatever, you're not going to feel good about yourself, man. You need to do things to feel good about yourself. There was one point in my career, I wasn't even in the UFC yet, but I was fighting ACA, and I was saving money. And I love to save up money to send money to my grandma, man. I love to do that. And it got to the point where I want to buy myself something. My sister's rent can't get paid. She need money. But if she asks me for rent money, I just told myself, no, don't buy myself these $100, $200 shoes. But if any of my sisters or my grandma need money or something, I'm giving them money like that. Like, I'm mad about it. Sometimes I make my sister wait a couple of days and make it hard for her, but I'll still break and give it to her. My grandma's all the time. She needs it. Grandma, I love you. You took care of me all the time. And you get to a point where you get kind of like, for two years, bro, I wasn't doing nothing for myself, and I didn't feel good, bro. I didn't feel good. I was just like, man, Trev, you're not like this. It's not you. Same thing like you were saying, you like to be five-star, like you like to wear nice stuff. I wasn't, bro. I learned how to wear the regular beach clothes and all that in that time. And right now, I can turn it on and off. You know, I can be five-star one day, and I can be that old guy, regular beach clothes or whatever the next day because I had to, to I, that that style came into me when I was helping out people, helping out my family and everything and not doing nothing for myself. And I was in a miserable place, man, and I realized again, you want that, you get that for yourself. And I started doing that for myself again. And I saw what it does to me. It makes me even a better person. Even a better person. Like you do things for yourself, you become even a better person. People are only in a, in the phase they're in because they're in that phase with themselves. 
they're in that they're not where they want to be. If you got haters and stuff hating on you, it's because that hater's not where he wants to be. Because no one in the place he wants to be is gonna come hate on Trevor Jones or talk trash to Trevor Jones trying to be great. That's all come from a negative uh, uh, perspective within themselves. That's all you. You're talking about yourself. When you talk trash to me like that, you ain't talking nothing but about yourself. You're letting me know exactly who you are. I know who you are. You don't feel good about yourself. You're not confident about yourself. Everything you're saying to me, that's your perspective of yourself. Because Trevor Jones, when I see... Okay, here, here's my best perspective. They say Cody got no chin. Cody didn't get knocked out from Rob Font. Andrianis got knocked out from Rob Font. You know, how does Cody have no chin? I'm not going around saying Andrianis has no chin, which I know. I'm not even trying to speak on that. He survived Cody. He's fine. My guy gets called. I could call that I fought no chin Cody, but he don't get called that he fought. Bro, this guy knocked him out. Who didn't knock him out? Where's the chin at, you know? So people, it's not my job to hate and, and fill in other people's shoes and do that, do this pointing back and forth stuff. You know, I'm not a hater. I still know. It's up to me to know that. It's up to me to know that Giannis is still a talented fighter or it's up to me to think Andre Giannis sucks or not. That's all it is. If I still respect him, think he's a talented fighter, I'm on my own P's and Q's. I'm on my own direction. I'm not hating I'm not trying to look in that window. I'm another guy that's looking in your window is not gonna look in that window. You're gonna say, Oh man, he lost and that's all it is. Oh man, he won. And that's all it is. Oh man, he won. He's talented. Volkanovsky's a shit. I give Volk his credit. I'm not trying to be like, oh Volk is not this, he's not that. Nah, Volk, everything you're hearing from me, you earned that for me. You deserve that. You know, that's I only can be real. And I'm and some people just can't be real with themselves, you know. When they sit down, they never had enough alone time. I'm like this because I've seen about myself so long. If you have a family, you stay in your house with your family, your girlfriend or whatever, you're not going to get as much alone time. You're not going get, to get, get a chance to tap into the way that I've tapped into it myself. When you stay by yourself, not looking to have a girlfriend, and I've had a girlfriend, you know, and all that, but I still struggled way before meeting her and all this, and I was by myself for a long time, and I'm teaching her now, and I'm, and I'm showing her who I am. And we've been together already a while, and our relationship is not even good. But at the same time, I stand on who I stand on because the guy I built with myself. You got to build it with yourself, man. My brother don't even got the kind. My brother's older than me, but I look at my brother sometimes. He's not even where I'm at sometimes because he's been staying with his kids. He's been staying with his family. So his distraction, it's only he can only get drawn into his own self so much before he has to take care of his kid or his girlfriend wants her attention or his wife wants her attention. When you're at home, that shit dwells on you, bro. It's like killing you. Like, you lost that first fight. You're mad already. You lost that second fight. You don't know what to do. I'm home. I got to figure it out. Like, whoa, this is getting crazy. I'm about to get let go. You lose another fight. You're like, whoa, I'm too talented for that. Where do I dig from here? Am I really this good? And then you lose another fight. You don't get another contract. You're just going crazy. You just know you're talented. You just know, like, I know I don't belong here, so I sit here and I deal with these situations by myself and fight it. I don't want to hang out with my friends or hang out with anyone else. You'll never tell. I don't put that on anyone else. All my problems is on me. When you're around me, you'll never see a different guy. You're going to see a smiling, happy guy. And it's not because I'm weak and I want to hide it. It's because I learned to be strong enough and I had enough time to fight my problems and fight my battles on my own. Because no one should give enough about anyone. No one gives a shit about no one, bro. Like, everyone act like they give a shit. Even though people talking shit, don't really give a shit. 
that shit talk is only for that time. And after that shit talk is gone, when they go on about their life, I'm not in front of them enough to, for them to be thinking about me all day. So if your haters or whoever's thinking about you all day, right when you fail, they're quick to click on you. Those people have been thinking about you. They've been waiting to get you. You, they, Those people know you. Get, give yourself props that those people know you. Those people got their eye on you. And you have to know how to look at it. And that's things that I learned by staying by myself and fighting with my own self and fighting my own demons. Like I said, Ronda Rousey couldn't even be on the mental game that I'm on. Right when she lost two fights of being the queen of the world, she was ready to quit and give up and run away. She's a, you know, I look up to you, Ronda. How can you give up and quit and run away? I want to be where you at, Ronda. How can you give up and quit and run away? Things like this taught me I don't give up and quit and run away. That's why I'm still here pushing today. They let they they taught me. I'm learning off all these people. I'm learning off everyone. So I just know you're not gonna hear Mayweather or. Volkanovski. That's why, if you see, that's why it's a shit show at the top with all these champions and shit. They all go around like patting each other on the back, pretending they're friends. They don't even like each other, bro. They don't care about each other. That's just how it feels to be on the top, though. On the top, you can give proper credit. When you're doing good for yourself, you can give proper credit because you're doing good. Someone doing bad cannot give you credit. They're going to talk shit to you. Someone that you're doing, that you're doing better than, they're not going to give you credit. Only the one, your loved ones, the people that really care about you. But outside, if you're looking for credit from the world, from the outside like that, you're not going to get that. Man, like I said, you come to these, you come to these realizations by just being like, um, when I was 17, my grandma moved back to Guam and I was supposed to go. And I had got caught with a fake ID when I was 17. Um, and I had a court hearing for like, a year later. So when it was time for me to go to New Orleans, I was a senior in high school. And then I had this court hearing that came up a year and some later that I had forgot about, right? So um, my grandma had ended up leaving. I had just turned 18. My grandma had just le- left. And my ticket was booked three days after that. I thought I was going to go to the court hearing. And then I was going to fly out home, because I heard they had talked to them, I had broke everything else, and I was moving, it wasn't that big of a deal, it was, it was, it was a fake ID, and they were, like, throwing, like, it was a high-level case, but it wasn't as high-level as it was, but the fact that I went to the court hearing, when my guardian had already left back to New Orleans, they said, because I was 18, and I was in high school still, about to graduate, that I was considered a minor, which is true, you're a minor if you're still in school, but at the time, I didn't know that, I'm like, I'm 18, I can go to my court hearing by myself. So because I was still in high school, I only had maybe like three months left of high school, four months left. They made me try, They made me go to DYA, a youth correction facility. I went there for maybe like 10 days, 14 days. And the whole time I was only in there was for nothing. It was just so they could transfer my guardianship over to another parent. Unless I had to stay in there until someone come and get me, come, my grandma come back from New Orleans to get me, right? So I had my we had we had family friends out here and everything. So my one friend's mom, who's also another American lady, who I was very close with, she became my guardian. So she's the one that signed my papers over, and she became my guardian, my legal guardian. So my grandma signed it over to her. But that whole process from New Orleans to Guam and getting everything black and white and doing everything took about two weeks. So I had to sit in the U Correction facility for two weeks long. 
yeah, it, it, it taught me how to, it taught me how to just not envy in the prison. After I got out, I was my own man. When I got out, they gave me six months probation. I couldn't fly back to New Orleans right away. You know what I mean? I was my, I could have actually because they gave me community service or six months. I actually finished the community service in like two weeks or something. I was like, went straight. I was like, man, I'm not a no jail guy. I'm not going to be doing community service every day with these jail guys two hours at a day, three hours every day. I'll do 10 hour weekends, bro. So I did 10 hour weekends. I worked for 10 hours straight on weekends and cleared however many hours I had on weekends until it was gone. Like I worked like a real worker. I wasn't trying to hang out with those guys and make it a full-time job and do three hours a day at the mayor's office or three, four hours a day at the superior court. And I wasn't trying to, I was trying to get it done so I can get out. Right. When I got out, like I said, I got into the football. I had, I graduated high school and I got into the football after that. And I've been staying along so long, bro. So I had to dig deep for myself, bro. I had to learn how to figure out how to fight, how to hustle, how to sell shoes, how to sell anything, how to flip anything, bro. I had to, like, make money, bro. I wasn't, like, I had nothing, bro. I had nothing but a plane ticket. I remember I had, like, 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 like I had, like, $500 on a plane ticket. Then I started buying Jordans. I started buying shoes. I started hustling everything, bro. Like, anything I got my hands on that I know I could buy two, three of. Back then, cell phones was, like, hits, bro. You know, I had a friend I worked at a couple companies. He used to sell me like four or five cell phones. I was working too. I worked at a restaurant. But that wasn't enough. You know, I still have to hustle on the side and make extra money. So I'll buy like, use all my paychecks to buy like five cell phones. And I'll post the cell phones on Facebook and stuff and resell it for like 200 more on each. Because, you know, to get contracts, you know, it's without a contract too. And it was unlocked. So I was doing all kind of things to survive that all the way through. Buying Jordans, buying 10 pairs of them. No one else can get them. Selling eight. Sitting on two, selling the other one three years later when it got even more expensive. Like, I was doing all kinds of stuff like that, man. It was crazy. So that's what made me this kind of thinker, man. That's what made me this critical thinker. And it does me good and does me bad. It don't always do me good. It also does me bad. I overthink things sometimes, man. I feel like if I could have just, I feel like I could have did that whole Cody Cap on Guam and just let go on him with my Guam style. And the Guam style would have been perfect just to beat him up, you know. But I overthought it. I thought I need to be here. I thought I need to be over there, you know. I thought he's going to be good and striking for what I saw in the past. And I know not to think like this, too. That's what I mean. I know not to put what he did to other people on me. Me and my teammates have this thing where we don't put what our opponents did to other guys on us. That is not us. That needs to happen to us before we consider that to be us. So, you know, you contradict yourself sometimes, too, because I knew not to play it slow. I knew to just flush him or whatever, but at the same time, I knew to give him respect because he was former champion, too. So that's why the fight played out like it played out, because I'm that thinker. Like you said, I had to figure it out. There was no way getting here without figuring it out. I got to the UFC not by a manager managing me or anything like that. I had to figure it out all the way through. I figured it out all the way through. I didn't get a manager until I got to the UFC. My manager got my first UFC fight. All my other fights I got on my own. That's how hard I had to work. So I'm a little bit above some of these other guys. And then I'm getting these fights international. I fought in Philippines, Russia, Japan, Korea, the States. Got like a little sparring in Thailand. Supposed to fight in Hawaii many times. Like I fought all over the world. I fought in Russia. I fought in Grozny, Russia, bro. I fought in Australia. I fought. Bro, it was crazy. It was a risk, a risk. I fought a hard Russian guy. 
off those two split decision losses that I said I won those fights. So I took a risk to go to ACA to their backyard, all the way in Grozny, Russia. Not Moscow, not St. Petersburg. Grozny, Russia, Russia, bro. Like, woo, third world country style Russia, deep war style, nothing black and white, no alcohol, nothing going on, no men allowed, no women allowed to the fights. I'm in Russia, bro. No one's at the expensive rich hotel we're at. Only the fighters. It's like they rented out the whole hotel, you know? I'm in Russia, bro. You look outside, you can't see nothing. It's all gray smoke, bro. Like, Russia, Russia, bro. It was crazy, dude. But it was a good fight. I ended up winning the fight, man. Ended up choking out that guy. That guy right now is on a nine-fight win streak after I choked him out. Oh, man, I had a lot of uh, mean mugs in the arena after that. And a lot of guys called me out after that. Uh, his, a lot of his teammates and our friends called me out after that and, and like that. Yeah, but the whole trip was a good trip, man. It was a good trip. I wouldn't have it any other way. I was in their backyard. They were mad. But, yeah, man, I fought a real popular guy over there, too, and I ended up choking him out. And, you know, it was a hard risk. I was down two fights going into that. And I ended up getting that choke out on him. He's on a nine-fight win streak right now, man. His record's like 15-2, and 16-2. Talented, smashing guys, bro. So I know the level, man. I know the level. It's not, man. I think the, the boxing match with, with those guys brought it up last time, man. Like he said, he said, how's the MMA fighters like Izzy and them who also have losses and still living on the top of the mountain? It's not as important as it is. It's just about the big win. A win and a loss can only last so long. Even if I got the biggest win in my career, it only lasted so long before I got to do it again, before people forget I did. Even my losses, I know that. It only lasts so long before people are still remembering that I lost, you know. All I got to do is get to the next fight, train properly, and beat the next best thing. And then you're that guy again. And people need to understand that. A lot of them only want to fight battles they can win or only want to win. Losing is also a part of the game. That's the other half of the game. Like I was saying earlier, you only get one winner and one loser. And these guys build things into themselves where they really think they're like, all these beings of people in the world, do you really think you're the best person in the world that God built at this? No. No, there's people in prison, there's people everywhere that don't got the opportunities that we got that are better than us. Just because we're in a position don't mean we're the best at it. And that's where they're getting confused with themselves. They're lying to themselves. It's really hard for them to lose because they only want to live with that image that of a winner. They only want to live, they don't want to live with the heart of their own self. They don't want to live who, with, who they stand for. They only want to stand for the winner. They don't want to stand for the loser. I'll stand for the loser. Call me a loser. I'm better today. I'll fight you still. Oh, he's 10 and 0? Oh, he's what, 10 and 10? I want to fight the 10 and 0 guy. I don't care to fight that 10 and 10 guy. Why am I going to fight him? But not that undefeated guy. He's like, hey, he's 10 and 0? Oh, he's, I don't want to fight that 10 and 0 guy. Oh, he's 10 and, 10 and 6? Let me fight that 10 and 6, guys. You see the difference? I understand Volk fighting the hardest challenges that he can, but Volk is very different for me because Volk is winning. It's easy for Volk to take those challenges on because there's nothing but gangs. For Volk to lose to Islam, there's nothing but gangs on that. It's easier for him. If Volk lost four fights in a row, three fights in a row, will Volk still fight Islam? I don't know. That's where it's different. You know what I mean? That's where I'm different. At the same time, a better example is the Dan Hooker. But still, Dan Hooker still got a little leniency with that last guy he fought. Um, not, not Turner, but before that, that last guy was trash. 
the last guy I was fried, but, but but I think Dan Hooker's a better example for me. He's not a trash guy. I'm not saying he's trash. He was trash on his heart and what he brought to the table for Dan Hooker. He did not make it hard for Dan Hooker. He didn't. He wasn't that guy who he needed to be, and Dan Hooker got the win over that guy. He was a fucking horrible, scared fighter versus Dan Hooker that night and did not fight a proper fight for MMA at all. Exactly what I mean. So that's not a good fight to, to judge. So, so therefore... Dan Hooker got a comeback fight. You know what I mean? He got a chance to rebound him, rebound, rebound himself. I didn't get those rebound fights. Barcelos, those guys are all tough. All those guys, Barcelos, Javid, Cody, those are no rebound fights. Those are fights, win or go home. Those are not rebound fights. He still got a couple of rebound fights in there. And when he did fight the top guys, he was at the top in the division, top 10. I'm not even in the top 10, bro. You know, Barcelos had five fights in a row. He definitely deserves to be in the top 10. Javid was undefeated, which was a risk. And it's okay. I don't care about it. And Cody was a former champion. That's more risky, bro. That's way more risky. Just because Cody lost, don't make mean. Don't mean he's not as good as the guys in the top ten. It just means they got a better consistent streak than him. You know what I mean? And it depends on who shows up, what fighter shows up that night, that particular night. Not any day in training. Not one week before training. Not one week before the fight. That particular time. And the guys that are doing good and in the top ten have just been showing up more often. But they still got losses to guys that are not in the top 10, too. They got other losses. They got guys that don't got no top 10 ranking, but still beat guys. Jeff Neal beat Bilal, and he beat Vicente. You know what I mean? Like, he's not in the top 10. He, or he is now, but before he was in the top 10, he wasn't he, he was in the top 10 when he beat them. But he is now, so the rankings mean shit, bro. The rankings don't mean nothing. The rankings is how they play it and who they want to play it and favoritism. Some guys are more popular and other guys, some guys get a nod. Even the Cody fight, man. Listen, this is the point blank. And you, one more thing I'm going to ask you to tell me if I'm wrong. Say if me and Cody was the opposite. Me and Cody was the opposite. I fought like Cody. Cody fought like me. Exactly. The black guy did. Exactly. But I was Cody. I think I lose that fight. I think, I think, I think the popularity and the swindling, they find a way to give the pressure to him in the first round. And then off that third round, doing what he did, there was a way for them to steal it and give it to the more popular fighter. That's what I think. The popularity will give you a nod. Like we talked about earlier, the favoritism of Sean O'Shaughnessy, he'll get easier opponents. The popularity, Cody, man, I'm, I've been in a, I've been in that environment. I know what it's like to run into the referees and matchmaker and Bruce Buffer and be at the PI and become friends with him and be former champion and have everyone kissing your ass because you're the former champion. You are going to make a lot of friends. You know everyone around there. Everyone around that fight scene, Cody knew them. Everyone, it's easy to get the sway. It's easy for him to get the nod. Trust me. That fight was shit with me and Cody, dude. Cody deserved to get let go. I'm just saying, if I'm not in there no more, he deserves the same thing I deserve. I'm just saying. But in the same case, it's not that he deserves to get let go. I still deserve to be there. That's what it is. You know what I mean? That's the problem. So that's the problem I got with, 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 with what I got. That's why I'm going to build myself back there and, and prove to myself that I, I, I got to do this because, you know, I know what I believe. I know what the circumstances. How can you call me on three and a half week notice? And act like it's even playing field, bro. It's not even playing field. Tell me you got one more for me after that or something, but you're going to do me like that after coming off the, the Javid and then rematching against Ryoni Barcelos. Now I can see if I didn't ask for all five of my opponents that pulled out, 
I've been asking to rebook against those guys. Those guys don't want to fight. You don't want to give me those fights. You're not giving me even matchups. You're only giving me, like you say, what the what, what you know. You know, you don't want to. But I, but I, but I wouldn't want it any other way. At the same time, I'm saying it like that. But that's the way you're supposed to take it, right? You're supposed to take the hard matchups. You're in the UFC now. Guys are going in the UFC still trying to get built. How can you still be building guys in the UFC, Dana? And you guys, you guys said that's not what the what the organization is about. When you're in there, it's the cream of the crop fighting the cream of the crop. It don't matter. Even some of these guys is like, I'm number six. That guy's not even ranked. I don't want to fight him. What? What? That guy thinks he could beat you. What about that? He signs the paper. He thinks he could beat you. Come on. You guys just use that as excuses. That's why you guys don't want to fight Omar, because he's going to beat you. It's nothing else. If they could beat that guy, it's going to be easy, high-level, ranked money. To beat a non-ranked guy, they'll take the money. That non-ranked guy is scary. They don't want to risk it. They don't want to look stupid. All because they're thinking about, oh, he's not a rank. He's not a number. But that guy might be talented as hell. Like you say, talented as hell. I don't think the, the ranked guys are not the best guys in the division. It's the new guys coming in, the hungry guys. The debut's your hardest. Your debut guys are badass because they got that extra. They got that extra in them. So debut guys are, that's their toughest they're going to get. That's, the, that's when they're going to get a chance to show everything they're about. That debut. Debut is like your championship fight. That's like a fucking championship fight. Not in my case because I didn't have a full camp. But anyone that gets a full camp coming into the UFC, their debut, they're going to look good. They need to look good. Because that's their coming out party. That's their championship fight. You have to train like a champion going into your UFC debut. Now, the energy might die out a little bit after wins. And people might be able to sneak in wins in you. But that's when you get the fire back and you become talented again, you know. You get a title fight, you lose or whatever, you get fired back or whatever, but you kind of subside. Your debut, you're strong. It's like getting married. Your marriage is the best day of your life. Then after that, you start fighting with your wife and everything along, or it might be good and small fights every blue moon, but nothing's going to be better than that wedding day. Your wedding day, you prepared. You guys didn't fight the whole two months leading up to the wedding. You guys were nice. You know, she could hang out with her friends. You could hang out with your friends. It was perfect leading up to the wedding. You got married. Wedding day was perfect after that. Uh-oh. You weren't like this before, baby. <laughs> I do not lift a whole bunch of weights. I'm fucking just like weights. When I start lifting weights, my body gets like, oh, if I lift weights, like some of those fights in the UFC, I couldn't lift weights. I couldn't lift weights the way I want to lift weights because my weight cut's going to be too hard. So I started to make weight better by not lifting weights as much. Right now, I'm on a, right now, yeah, I'm working out. Not, 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 like, not like a cat working out, but the way I work out now for a camp, oh, it's a whole nother animal. Um, I always been strong. My deadlift is strong. I'm strong in certain things. I'm deadlifting. I'm strong in deadlift. I'm, I'm strong in weighted pull-ups. Uh, I'm just all around athletic. That's why I grew up playing football and sports. So the physical part is there within me. I got that natural explosion. Yeah, I'm all around talented. I'm natural. That's what I hate the most when I get into some of these gyms with talented guys. They're like, bro, you're black. You know, they blame it all that I'm black. They blame it all that I'm, you're black. That's why you're black. They take away all my credit in some of these gyms. So I got to get in there and spar with some black guys and wrestle some black guys. And then when I beat them, they have, I don't, I don't hear nothing because they're black too. So <laughs> that's the best part about training is genetics. They're saying my genetics is, yes, it's on point. All my teammates here, my local teammates in here, they say, oh, your genetics, that's why they're like that. I'm like, oh, shut up, dude. I work twice as hard as your ass, bro. Twice, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, there's, there's definitely genetics that play. Genetics, 
there's definitely genetics at play, but they're still mental to be capable. It's still what I've been through because I have other family members that have the same genetics as me, and they're all fat and shit. So, so yeah, all my family members are like mostly some of them are fat and shit. So it shows me that all these fat people are supposed to be big and athletic too. But instead of them getting big and athletic, they get it fat because they're not using it. That's all it is. All those big people, look how talented big people are, man. Big people can dance. Big people can move. You'll freak out. They're way more talented than skinny, fragile people. The big people are talented. They just ate too much and went too far with it. Didn't have no no threshold. Didn't have no drive to stop. Didn't have no sports to play to show them how talented they are. That's all it was. Some of these big people are so talented. All my family members in my, in my family on the other side, they're still talented, but they're all fat, you know? So not all of them are fat. They're very athletic. My whole family still all plays sports. They all do, honestly. My uncle, no one can stand my uncle's house or grew up there without playing sports. All my cousins, that's just my family rule. My grandma, my mom was track and field. So there is a lot of sports. And, but at the same time, like I seen, I got a lot of family members that don't do dick, bro. They're fucking lazy and fat. And they still think they're badass. They still think they're talented as hell. You know, so genetics is a part, but it's also work ethic, man. My brother's also talented as me, strong as me, but he cannot, he, he ain't got the same drive as me for this. And he has a strong drive too. Like right now he's locked in, he's ready to fight, but there's no way he's messing with me on this level. Like the way I talk, the way I think, the way I coach, the way I push, the way I train in him, the way I'm training him right now, the way I trade my guys, the way I don't hold back techniques, the way I take it seriously, like, no, it's a whole different level when it comes to me. That's who I am. I'm a, That's because of me. I'm the one that want to take it there. A lot of guys don't want to take it there. Exactly. I waited at 170 for the jiu-jitsu tournament because my opponent um was supposed to be a 160 match. My first black belt opponent pulled out. They replaced him with another opponent who had an opponent, and his black belt match was at 170. So we I had to fight him at 170. So I fought him at 170, and he thought I was going to be all small, but I weighed in at 170, 169.5, you know what I mean? So I have my clothes on, but still, that's big. So Aljo's nothing far from me. I have a picture with Aljo. I'll send it to you, too. We, we got a little training in the PI. Same size as me, bro. I'm huge. Me, the big ones is me. Marabnim are small next to me, bro. Like when I see Marabnim, I got confidence, yeah. Cutting down, I take that back. Cutting down, he is going to be a problem because he's going to have the proper energy and all that. I'm going to have to do it right. To do what I said I want to do to Marab or Marab just is so like Marab. That's why I'm not saying it out of hate Marab. I like you, Marab. That's why I want to beat you. It's like I like you. You've been doing well for yourself. You've been fighting harder battles than Aljamain, I think. So I think you're that guy. And if you're gonna, if someone's going to interview me and ask me who's that guy I want to beat, it definitely will be Marab. And I, do I think I'm capable? I think I'm capable but I got to do my, my P's and Q's right. I got to make that weight cut right because um, those guys are small next to me. I see them all the time at the PI. Those guys are smaller guys than me, especially right now. They sit next to me. Like when I see the UFC guys, when I'm my regular size, they're like, what the hell? They're going crazy. They're like, dude, they're squeezing my arms and shit. They're like, whoa, I see Javed and they're like, bro, you're a fucking, you know? They know I'm huge. I'm a, I'm a thick guy and I'm strong when I'm like this. So I get a little bit depleted as I start to cut because everybody that's at 155, they're like cutting maybe like five or six pounds throughout the two-month cap. Then at the end, they cut that last 10. Boom, one shot. Me, I'm dieting all throughout camp just to get to 50. 
just to get to 150. Then after 150, 145, then I still got 10 more hard cut to die. So I'm dying, dying. I know, I already know that's the problem, but that's my stubbornness. I already know it's the cut. They think it's the skills. Nah, bro, I, I beat these guys, bro. I spar these guys. I grapple these guys. I can beat these guys. So me not making a... So that's the plan right now. That's what we're getting ready for. But uh, my manager have sent me but the opportunities that have presented themselves so far for me to get back in the UFC, it has been 145, 135 fights again. So I told him to look for both. Of course, I want 145. Anything outside the UFC, I only wanted 145. But if you're going to throw me in a five-round title fight for a belt for at 35, I have to take that. You know what I mean? If you're going to give me a UFC veteran who's going to make me look more even better to get back in at 135, I have to take that. But do I need to be trying 45 fights? Absolutely. That's where you're going to see the trev. That's where you're going to see the animal because I am an animal at this size. Like I've been sparring, man. I've been training so hard. Like you said, you see that lifting and stuff. Yeah, I've still been training. I've still been working out. That lifting came after a hard training session, and I'm still able to lift that. And that was, and we worked our way up to that, and then we worked our way down. So, yeah, I, I've been deadlifting for a while now. When I first started deadlifting, I only could do, like, two plates on each side and a 35. That's all. And that was, like, hard, like, I could do two reps, and it was, like, hard to get up. So I've been deadlifting for about seven, eight years now, even, and I don't deadlift consistent like a CrossFit gym. But like I said, we talked about genetics. When I start working out, my body adapts so fast. It gets so strong, so fast off weights. Like, I'll be jacked. I can fight 55, bro. I'm just going to be short like Volkanovski. That's all it is. I used to be next to Volkanovski, bro. I used to stand next to him and everything, bro. I'm way bigger, bro. He's He could be wide and short or whatever, but, dude, I'm bigger. The UFC actually gave me the guys that were on my size. Like, Rayoni was short, but he was kind of wide, bro. Honestly, he was wider than I thought he was going to be. Javid was tall. Fucking Mario Bautista was tall. Um, What you call him? Um, T-Mur was kind of my size when we fought at 140. He was just a little shorter, but he was wide. Tall. He was wide too. He wasn't so small. Bro, there's guys in there that are really small, like Journey Nelson and those guys. Those guys are tiny, dude. You put those guys next to me, that's a whole different, like, bro, I run those guys over. And I'm not saying they're not talented or whatever, but they're just small. You're going to have a hard time dealing with a guy that's tough like me. Like, because I'm not going to quit. So they could be beating me for two rounds. They're small. I'm going to come back at some point. I'm going to. I'm going to get a hold of them at some point. I'm going to be tough. They're going to have to lay me out. And that's what I mean. I'm not saying they're not talented. It's just that those smaller guys are going to have to really work hard to beat me. They have to give me the even playing field because the UFC has the results. They do. Absolutely, man. I, I don't think it'll be a 55er. They're just going to be too big, too tall. Even though I can get up to 175 pounds, that'll be a 55. That'll be a 15-pound cut. Fair. I'll probably have good energy. Could I beat some guys there? Would I be able to beat some UFC guys there? Absolutely. Would I be able, be able to be champion there? Not not 55. I think it'll be really hard, to be honest. I'm short. Five, seven and a half. 45, absolutely. Absolutely. 45, absolutely. And with the proper nutritionist, if I really wanted to go down to 25, with the proper nutritionist, if I can make 35 on my own with how big I am, with the way I do it, I can make... 25 with a proper nutritionist because of my height, but I can't make 25, but I just know I've weighed in at 32 before, so I know, ooh, that's seven pounds away. Maybe with a proper nutritionist, it'll make it, but the camp and everything will just be so hard and so grueling at the same time, 
I would never go down there. But I'm just trying to say, what doing everything right, anything is possible, man. What If I do 45 right, eat right. Don't just eat to be fat. Eat proper nutrition and food to get big, like John Jones said, to actually be a stronger man for that weight class, which is my normal size already. I'm ready for that weight class right now. That's my regular size, bro. I shine at this weight class. I did nine no-gi tournaments on Guam, the biggest tournament on Guam, and no-gi, and I haven't lost yet. Trevin, I want to see those championship belts. So what I got is I got my PXC belt, you know what I mean? Then I got all my gold medals. I got more gold medals inside of there. And uh, if you see up here, this is only my gold medals. I don't got any silver medals or any bronze medals up there. We do not. <laughs> when did you become 135 champ at UFC? Oh, over here. <laughs> okay, now we got over here. We got the dream, you know. This has always been a dream, so I got my my, my belt. You know, I'm still chasing a dream. And this dream is still going to become a reality. And I'm going to be proud of this one day. I ended up buying this off a guy online when I saw it. He just wanted to sell it. I'm like, what a better guy. Who needs it more than me? Like, I need to buy this from this guy. I'm not going to let someone else get this. So I bought this off, off this guy. But with that 135 belt, do you submit Aljo? Or for the 145 belt, do you knock out Volkanovski? Which one Which one would be better? Ooh. Ooh. I think submit Aljo because I know for sure Aljo's going to want to – he's going to shoot to the ground. I've, I've got a little spar from Aljo. You know what I mean? It wasn't nothing crazy. It wasn't nothing crazy, but... Who's got the longer reach? I don't know. What's Aljo's reach? Aljo's reach is probably a little bit longer, right? 71? No, it's probably the same. It's probably the same. He's probably 71, a little bit longer. We're the same height and everything. I have a picture. He's a good guy, too, man. Same. Like, they keep it cordial. They know how to play their part. They're nice guys, man. I got nothing bad to say about Aljo. Like everybody says, he he really was a guy that everyone doubted, and he earned everything that he's got um, by outsmarting. Not out-dogging out, outsmarting the, the more dog guys than him, which is uh, good. And because he actually grappled him and got him down and didn't move his feet to run away from them like that. Like, he actually engaged in something that he was better than them to beat them. So his respect comes the way his respect comes. But, yeah, he is a big guy, too. So when he starts grappling guys. But I would go with the guillotine because Aljo will for sure shoot take down. Like, what, Aljo's going to stand up for five rounds? No, Aljo's shooting. So I'm going to get that guillotine in the rear and I can choke and the back take ready for sure. What's your favorite about being a UFC fighter? And that's hard, right? That's hard, right? Because it's not the best thing in the world, but it is the best thing in the world, you know? It's all of us fighters' dreams, and everyone from the outside, it makes you look so badass. But inside, it's really hard, man. It's really a tough fucking sport, bro. That shit's not easy at all. Like, I know how talented I am, and that shit's not easy for me. So it's like, wow, that shit is hard. So The hardest sport. It's fucking hard, bro. Like, it's fucking hard, and I'm fucking good, bro. Like, I can run people over, bro, and I'm fucking good. And coaches tell me I'm good. All my jiu-jitsu coaches, like, wondering, like, Trav, they already know that I have a possibility of being a jiu-jitsu world champion, too, because I'm that good in jiu-jitsu. I really am. Like, I'm under Dreisel. I've been going, I've been under him since white belt, and I'm talented, but getting it done, it's like, it's that fucking hard. It's not easy. Training is not the competition, bro, so that's what I learned to no matter what you do to an opponent in training, when it's time to fight, he's a different animal or he's a weaker animal. He's a different animal no matter what. He might not be as strong as he was in training or he might not be as fucking weak as he was in training too. So fighting's the hardest sport, bro. Like you're not going to get nothing nothing much harder than fighting. Fighting is hard. This is why fighting's hard. Because you cannot be good for one fight, two fights, three fights, four fights. You got to be good every fight. Every single fight. 
right when you do something wrong, they're talking shit to you, bro. Right when you you can have 20 wins and do something wrong and then you're trash, bro. You're on the back burner, you know what I mean? You know how many people used to love no love and now all of a sudden you just fucking do no chance. Like, come on, bro. You guys are the same ones that used to be on his team, bro. Come on, stop playing with me. I've got a question about your voice. So it's very deep. Do you smoke cigars by any chance? No, I just smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> I smoke a lot of weed. But my whole family got a voice like this. Even my family members that don't. I think it's like a mix of New Orleans. Like the New Orleans culture, their voice have that deep at the back end. I know what you mean. But I smoke a lot of weed. And What nationality is your family? I don't even know. I got I to gotta find out. I don't even know, bro. I gotta find out, bro. But I'm full. My mom is black. My daddy's black. Like even like for my voice right now, you're hearing it's a mix of the local. It's a mix of the um, like I I speak pretty islandry. See, I'm even mixing up my words like them. I'm I'm talking a lot of island slang in my talking right now because I hang out with them still. I still grew up here, so it's a black voice mixed with the island voice. Very unique, very different. You're not gonna hear it nowhere else. I sound like I'm from. Queens, Jamaica, or something. I don't know what I sound like to you guys, but um, yeah, that's a mix of a, the stateside New Orleans voice, which is its own culture. New Orleans is not like California, Las Vegas. It's nothing like that. New Orleans is, has culture. It has its own. It's its own place of its own place where I'm from. They have. They speak their own way. They move their own way. They talk their own way. Everyone acts their own way. Like if you go there, you will see. Everyone acts alike, so everyone has that charismatic, joking attitude. You know, they have it all over there, and everyone, you can see it in all of them. When you go to California and stuff, you really got a mix of different people from everywhere, like, just diverse, like, this person's like that, and this person's like that. Where I'm from, you're like where you're from. The culture's solid over there. How often do you golf? I, I, I don't golf professionally. I don't golf, like, golf in, on a field. I play mini golf and I hit at the golf range and I hit at the golf range often. Ever since I started hitting, I always go hit. Like when my boys say, say they want to hit, we just get the sticks and go hit. We don't hit for battle or hit for competition. We just hit to go smoke some weed. You brought up the previous UFC card. I just want to ask you about like Bo Nickel and your opinion on him. The more I watch his fights and the more I uh, delved into you know his technique and what he's good at, he's got a lot of skills with the rest of the middleweight division don't have he's tall and long but he's really fast he's got ridiculous wrestling and he knows how to put hooks in and do jujitsu which is something that a lot of people struggle with at middleweight so i just think that he's a, a, just an absolute problem and i think he holds a belt in the next five years if he continues on his trajectory because he's only 27 so what do you think about him Oh, he's definitely really good. Um, it's definitely still too early. Qualities are showing. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing the qualities. You're seeing the capability. And he's very capable. He's definitely very capable. But we all have to understand that was a debut guy, you know, 7-0, whatever he was. That wasn't anyone spectacular, you know. Um, but he made it look like he needed to make it look to be on the trajectory he's on. So, absolutely, man. He's showing all the cards right. But, um... He still, uh, they still will have to give him this type of style that he have of a guy, like someone that I think will give, like, 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 like the UFC is gonna play their cards with him the way they want to play their cards with him, you know. Since they gave him a new guy, because I've been in the UFC, I know how they play game. Since they gave him a new guy, that means Bo's a Sean O'Malley, you know. 
This is Sean O'Malley. They're gonna find a way around to or the to to hide the hardest possible matchups for him. The guys that can really give him a hard time at this point in his career before he gets good and be able to beat them all. You know, because at a certain time he is gonna get there where he he might just beat the best guy in the division. You know, but they still gotta build him the right way. Is what I'm saying. For me, they 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 gave me the guys right away. Like, nope, you. I guess it's clear because I came off the the level of fights I came off and. Maybe I came from another major organization. Maybe it was that. I don't know what it was. But, yeah, they they treated me different than they're treating, like, going to treat both. Maybe because he was a star going in. You know, it's like if you're super good going in, you get an easier pat than the guy that worked harder going in almost. You know what yeah. I mean? If you're, a star, if you're a star, you get the star treatment. You get the fight sucky guys because I think they could have found someone in the division if they paid him enough. Like, people were asking for the fight, right? But they got to pay enough. So if you really want to want someone to beat him or you want to get an easy win, that's for the organization to decide. And to decide, let's keep him when he's getting paid, keep him a star, and not pay someone that we think could beat him to take this fight on last minute. Because if you pay someone the right money to take that fight on last minute to fight him, it could happen, you know. And, and he has to live up to the hype to beat that good guy, you know what I mean? So he's very capable. He did what he needed to do to a new guy who was probably talented too, but at the same time, it's how the UFC wants to build him because if they, I think Derek Brunson will be a hard fight for him. Even though Derek Brunson retired, I think Derek Brunson will be a hard fight for him, hard and easy, because Derek Brunson do got the good sprawl and the good, he's just a tough fight for that kind of fight. There's certain kind of fights that are going to make hard fights, you know what I mean? And that's what the UFC can find or can't and don't, and, and don't want to find, and I feel like that's what they did with me. Like, Who's a hard fight for Trey? Oh, Ronnie Barcelos is another dog. Let's give him another dog. Like that, you know? Just the way I said, Brunson will be hard for both right off the bat, fresh in his career. Could he beat Brunson? Absolutely. But he has to live up to the hype to beat Brunson. It's for all, he is pretty tough. He could fight that kind of wrestling, sloppy fight. At a signing, at a signing, it'll be striking versus grappler. It'll be if Bonico can get him down and submit him, or if Izzy can keep his standing and stuff to take down and out and outstrike him. That's the only way that trajectory will be. And he has a chance in that type of fight. But if the UFC wants to find guys that can that can beat you, like I said, they can find them, though, because they got the statistics. If they don't want to find them, then they're not going to find them. What's your favorite food? Wow. Right now, I'm craving some Louisiana gumbo. What's that like? It's like a soup of different kind of meats with, like, crab, hot sausage, shrimp, um, in a like soup with rice, and it's a New Orleans dish, and it's so good. It's a little spicy. You can have a non-spicy. It has chicken in it too. It has all of that. It has so many different meats, and it's just all oh, amazing. I'm actually trying to open up a restaurant uh, right now. That's why I think this Where? break that I got on Guam. Dude, that would go off. Like I'm trying to get this little food truck going. So um, I already. They got food trucks and stuff on Guam, but I'm trying to get a much nicer, bigger food truck than what they got on Guam. So when I go to the States in August, I'm getting, I'm already in touch with the guy. I'm getting the food truck that I want, and I'm just getting this ship to Guam. Then after that, I'm flying to New Orleans. And I might fight now. And I'm flying to New Orleans to get all the ingredients and get the distributors to meet with the other distributors, all the Guam distributors on the products that I need. And then, yeah, I'm going to try and get this little New Orleans joint going. 
is there anything you want me to ask you just so you can talk about if you want to talk about anything? Nah, man, we covered a lot. We talked a lot, a lot longer than I thought. I mean, it was real good, man. It's just good to get out here and speak to someone that want to hear you. Um, I appreciate you for that. And um, I just want the UFC, Sean Shelby, McMahon, Dana White. I want them to know for sure that, you know, I'm far from done. I'm still coming. They know I had that hard pat, and I appreciate them for giving me tough fight after tough fight. I take nothing away from them or myself. You know, I believe I can still win those fights. I signed the people to fight those fights. My manager don't even get no backlash or nothing from me. You know, I'm cool with it. You know, I understand the cookie crumbles, how the cookie crumbles, but they also need to know I'm better than a lot of guys in there. And and when I, when I do get my, my wins back right, you know, give me my opportunity to get and show myself in again. Because like I said, I was a Colbert reject. You know what I mean? I wasn't supposed to win that first fight to even be in there that long anyway. So... I outlasted my, my debut opponent and a couple of my opponents after that. I did pretty good on my, and the guy I replaced. So I was a better value than, than, than you thought I was, you know? So when I do get my value right again, you know, give me another opportunity because I'm going to be, you know, on my P's and Q's. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Trevin, for coming on the show. Follow Trevin on Instagram, link in the description, and follow Anything Combat on YouTube. Thanks, guys. Bye.